Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I am Brandon T. McClure. With me on this journey, as always, is my wonderful friends, Ben Magnet. It's me. Hi, I'm waking up as per usual. All right. Does no one finish that sentence with "Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me." Or is it that? Is that just me? That's just you, bud. That's you. Darn it, Sparks Witty. Sometimes I'm the problem. Sometimes it is me. And Ryan Eliopoulos. My Taylor Swift uh, intake is is low uh, this month. Sorry. I was really maybe next month. I was really ready for you to like do a like entendre and talk about your Taylor. Mm-hmm. I'd have to have like nice clothes for that to happen, buddy. <laughs> and not wear the same shit every three days. Um. Well, there's a if you want to go see some Taylor Swift, there's a movie out right now. It's doing very good. Is it uh, still out? Yeah, it's doing great. I, I did um, see an epilepsy warning the last time I went to the theater, so I got to be careful with that Taylor Swift. Is it a movie mm. or is it a filmed concert? Because these are two different things. The answer is yes. It, it, the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> it's a film concert, but it's, you know, it's fun uh, if you want to watch a bunch of people dance in theater. Anyway, um, yes, we. Uh, I hope you guys don't mind. I'm test driving some new uh, equipment to hopefully make my version of the stream a lot better. Uh, so if there's any technical difficulties, I apologize. But hopefully uh, there won't be as many as there normally are. Um, but we are back to talk about a lot of things because uh, it appears that the SAG after strike is over. Well, strike's um, over. For sure. for well, the, the, strike is, the strike is... Technically, the strike is suspended. The language is, is meant to be suspended, not over. It's but Chris, fact, we're Chris padding it. It's on hold. We're holding it. Yeah, but the and we'll get into it. We'll get into some sack after uh, some sack after strike information. But um, the uh, the reason is because a tentative deal has been reached uh, between uh, SAG AFTRA and the AMPTP. Uh, so uh, that deal is the only strike uh, information that is in the description today. Um, it's the it's the it's what SAG AFTRA has released, which is a, mostly a summary of the language and the deal for members to read and uh, vote on. It needs to be voted on by the members next. So uh, check that out, see what they got, and we'll talk about it a little bit about what they gained and what they didn't uh, a little bit later in the episode. So uh, other things in the description that you guys can check out are, um, of course, Dean Dark, uh, Ben uh, Ben Magna, the, the website for Dean Dark is there. Ben, what was the latest episode? Uh, it was called Thunderstruck, I believe? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, some pretty big, pretty big things happened in that episode. That it did, that it did. I'm not gonna say anything because exactly what happened is a spoiler. So I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. But let's just say things are getting spicy. The good kind of spicy, not the bad kind of spicy. Is there ever a bad kind of spicy? Yeah, it's called um, later on after the fact. (laughs) Ben, like it gets bad, guys. Um. All right, you can also check out a bunch of other links in the description, uh, such as uh, my episode with uh, Conversation, my latest episode of Conversation with Al Larson from the Movies That Move Us podcast. Um, That's a podcast where he basically goes through, um, he has guests on to talk about movies that have um, emotionally impacted people and um, significantly changed their lives in one way or the other. Um, It's a good podcast. He's a good guest. Check that out. I had a good time talking with him. Uh, I'm happy that conversation's back. I think it's kind of funny that you weren't intentionally holding the show during the strike, but you basically did. Yeah, that was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I held it because I was working. Um, I know. I know. I know why you did it. 
I just think it's funny. It was quite funny. You could have just been like conversations on hold because of the strikes too. Because this was an episode about movie stuff. <laughs> and I was like, you could you could just be like, had to hold it. Strikes. Can't do it. Stop. <laughs> Can't do it. Strikes. <laughs> yeah. And then all, all of a sudden it's just like, strikes. Can't do it. Not today. Uh, God, I love that scene. That's a good movie. Uh, it is a good movie. Uh, Road to Elder Uh, uh, Ryan and Ben are in the description below because they did a review of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom for Basement Arcade Pause Menu. Yeah, Better late than never, baby. It is true. All of it. It took me, let's, what, almost five, six months, 180 hours to finally beat the damn game. And Ryan was like, hey, I'm going to put a hundred, uh, lot of hours into it early. And then he played a whole bunch of other games, whereas I didn't. I pretty much only played one game from May to October when I played it. It's going to be Zelda. Yeah, pretty much. Um, that's in the description below if you guys want to hear their thoughts on uh, on Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, then you can also check out some other basement arcade stuff, such as Mortal Kombat uh, 11 Aftermath. We have titled it Mortal Kombat 11 Part 7 and 8, uh, which completes the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, we do both endings to get you the full Mortal Kombat experience. Ooh, and, and um, I doubt we'll get to MK1 this year, but um, both those endings are important. That's cool. Something I'm I did not expect. Did not expect. It's a nice little tease for the future. Um, so stay tuned for that. And Ryan soloed PlayStation 2's Daredevil. Yeah, a game that doesn't exist. Um, yeah, so uh, back when they were developing the Daredevil movie, uh, they were like, yeah, let's let's make a game tie. Not not it's not a Ben Affleck Daredevil game. It's just a coinciding a time release. Uh, and that game got canceled because uh, nobody liked that movie and the game's budget ballooned. Uh, but if you want to see me play a couple levels of it, it's really cool. It's not great, uh, but there's a lot of really good ideas uh, that video is doing for us well. So like that made me happy. So, uh, 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 thanks for watching. If you watched it. Yeah. Uh, check, check that out, please. Um, and then now that the strikes are over, um, actually I'll say this first and then I'll say that, um, our figure book club has returned with another episode for, uh, Miles Morales, the ultimate Spider-Man volume one revival, which was Ben's pick, uh, that we all got to talk about. Uh, do you want to say anything about that, Ben? Yeah, um, I've been playing. I, I first things first. I picked it because I've been playing Miles Morales Spider Man on my PS5, and I've been wanting to read more Miles Morales. Of course, early this year, one of the best films ever came out, which is Across the Spider Verse, and I wanted. I just wanted to read some more Miles Morales because I realized I don't have enough Miles Morales in my life. So I'm like, I need to fix that. So I picked that book, and then as we were talking about it, more great books were suggested to me. And I'll say it's like you know what? All right, I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready for some more uh, for some more good stuff. Very cool, very cool. Um, and then uh, now that the strikes are over, there's going to be a lot of things coming uh, down the pipeline for Victor's Watch, for Victor's Cinephiles, for Animation Station, for yada yada yada. All the things that we withheld during the strikes are now coming out. Uh, for example, Strange New Worlds, episodes six through eight, are out now. Um, if you guys remember, if you guys remember those episodes, uh, which include the those old scientists, which is the crossover with lower decks. I do remember that one. Uh, Under the cloak of war, which is the Klingon war criminal episode. I don't remember the other one. 
It's the one where Kirk comes to the ship for the first time proper with Uhura seeing the visions with the gas. Mm. Ah, Kirk, what are you doing on my starship? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, okay. Uh, 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 two, one good episode, one bad episode, one okay episode, I think. I I say too good, but you can hear how we felt about all the episodes individually when we get to the finale discussion. Uh, yeah, it's soon, pretty soon. And then um, Figner's watch for Secret Invasion. The final half of Secret Invasion is out. Yeah, it's like every time he says the name, part of him dies. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Just part of my soul, like Secret Invasion. Ooh, yeah, if you want to hear gone. us really dig into like why we think Secret Invasion is a really big misstep in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, then that's there. Definitely go check that out if you want to. If if you also were hurt and want to, and you want therapy, and you want, and you want therapy pain <laughs> to know you're not alone. God, what a oh man! All right, so I I, I rewatched our episode uh to just kind of like uh because uh sparks commented on twitter and you want to see the episode that killed brandon <laughs> and i was like was it that bad and i watched it and i was like oh i'm not okay <laughs> <laughs> like that like episode was rough it's like if you go deep into the archives of fake nerd podcast and you listen to the crimes of grinderwald review that broke Brandon and myself. We hated oh. that movie. I forgot we did that. That was a long time ago. It was. Ben, everybody hated that movie. Yeah, I famously love That's it. True. <laughs> That's true. That's well, true. You know, that was the that was the man. Crimes of Grindelwald. I'm getting horrible war flashbacks. All right, um, let's let's do something else uh that, that that's all the links in the description guys uh please check them out um currently uh uploading by the time this episode is done uh will be our review of the marvels um so stay tuned for that uh when that is when that is done uploading um uh, and check out a, a, a far more fun far more positive review of a movie that we all enjoyed mm-hmm. uh may i just real quick brandon yeah mother may i um so just for clarification for our audience, what's going to happen is like anything that we're recording that that we're recording for things now that are post strike, like the Marvels, which we just did, um, those are just going to come out real quick. Uh, the everything we recorded during the strike time, that's all coming out in the order that we recorded it gradually. Makes so sense. so that's going to kind of unflow. So you're going to get like Ahsoka and um, some cinephiles on Haunted Mansion, other things like that. Those are all going to come out Loki? gradually. Loki, yes. Uh, uh, but anything we're doing right now, um, like we've got Invincible and Monarch on our on our docket, those are all going to just come out right away. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, speaking of Invincible and Monarch, I guess uh, uh, that we, we don't do the bread and butter intro anymore because, you know, as we said the last episode, we're, we're just kind of more of interested in a free-flowing discussion. So let's just get right into it. Who wants to I told you you could do it. You, you want it? You hit the button. What? I, I can do it? You want, you want it, you hit the button. You go ahead. Oh, yay! It's the bread and butter of our whole show, because you only come here for bread and butter on the Fake Nerd Podcast. Mm, it just doesn't feel right without seeing Babs. Hi, Babs. Unlike, Hi. unlike the Adam Eve, this is a full meal. 
Um, oh! Oh, 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 We all just turn into that meme of everyone just like, oh! <laughs> um, I think I think let's just start with the the, the follow up on the strike stuff. Yeah, because that's yeah. usually well, we have an memoriam. Starting our stuff. Oh, my bad. Yeah, we do have a. Not going to take long, I don't believe. But it's, these are people that I wanted to highlight to, uh, today before we get into everything. Um, we talked about Strange New Worlds. Well, Robert Butler, who is the Emmy-winning TV director of many TV shows, including Star Trek's original pilot, The Cage, um, which has recently become Star Trek Strange New Worlds, um, he passed away this week at the age of 95. Good innings, oh, good legacy. It's very cool that 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 show that he directed is now he didn't do any more Star Trek after the cage. And it's really cool that like he he directed that. And now we have Strange New Worlds. It's just I just thought it was cool. He's the first. He's the literal first person to direct Star Trek. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Stephen Candle, who is another Star Trek alum. He's the creator. He's a writer of many Star Trek episodes, uh, including two or three, I believe, that featured, and he was the creator of the character Harry Mudd, who is a pirate in the Star Trek universe. Um, the, uh, I think he's in the, no, he's not in the triple episode. Uh, the TAS, uh, the animated series episode, he wrote that as well. Anyway, he passed away at the age of 96. Again, good legacy. Really good character uh, in Harry Mudd. Um, 96, not, not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Uh, and then Roger Castell, who is the poster artist for Jaws and Empire Strikes Back, as well as many others, um, you know, is very much a contemporary of Drew Struzan. Um, he passed away at the age of 91. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. all fun great, fun. all great legacies. Yeah. Fun fact about that is Roger Castell made the art for the Jaws book that then turns into the Jaws poster. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I don't know. Is, it the, is awesome. it the same? It's like, is it like the same one? It's the same idea. It's not the same. He did a more, he did a more elaborate painting. Yeah, but it's like Bruce going up. But it's the same idea of the shark going up and the the lady at the top. No, man, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That's true. Um, All right. Well, that, that's, that's all the, that's the only people we have the, in the, in the warm section. Um, Great legacies all. Like if you're art. Um, And so, yeah, let's get into the uh, strike updates. Um, As we said up top, the strike is over um sag aftra has uh has suspended the strike uh pending a pending a review of the current tentative contract they reached um i believe at the end of last week they reached this contract um and decide and uh, uh so that it had to go to the national board which ratified it by importantly 86 percent which already kind of pinged me i was like that's weird if you know, when the BGA was excited about this contract and they ratified it, it was like 99%, 97%, something like that. So a really high number. 86% is not a low number. It just felt strange. Yeah. It's not I, the total majority. Yeah. I actually, I want to agree with you, Brandon, because a lot of times with, with these labor disputes, if it's not in the 90s, some feels a little sus. Yeah, and especially because of how big SAG-AFTRA is, that last, uh, like, what is it, like 14%? That's a pretty big number of mm-hmm. people. Um, but anyway, um, so it still needs to be voted on by the members, and the member voting, I think, goes until December, um, unless they all get, unless all the ballots come in early. 
apparently the reason so there's been some dissenting um the contract uh doesn't have great safeguards against artificial intelligence or generative mm. ai uh that's the that's the big problem now they've got like they got great gains in their pensions uh awesome residual plans um uh they got some great stuff in some of the and, and the other places that were they were really working towards mm-hmm. but with ai it's it looks like either the negotiating committee might have dropped the ball or they were pressured, and a lot of people are saying that it's possible they were pressured by the more higher members of SAG-AFTRA to just get this done with and end the strike so we can get back to work. Well, I think like it, it, part of it is a reaction to we know the A-listers were starting to put a lot of, at least some of them were starting to put pressure on because they were like, we'll end this ourselves kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that absolutely pressure was a part of it. I want to note that some people have pointed out, like, you're right, that, like, everything else is a pretty good gain. There were compromises and concessions that they made heavily about the streaming residuals. Oh, Still okay. not as good. It's good that they have something, but when you put it in in light with the AI safeguards aren't as high as they want them, it's, like, it's not an all across the board, everything's fantastic except this one thing. It's There were yeah. other compromises, too, that... Are, make it so like well we already had to like give up here we shouldn't have had to give up as much in the ai department because we already had to give up that kind of thing so i just want to clarify that it's like mm-hmm. it's all improvements they're very happy with where they got things some compromise was going to be needed on the streaming thing but like when you're looking at it it's like some things are way up here streaming's more like middle range of what they wanted and ai is really low so it's not just like a whole top curve and then ai down below yeah one of the um, one of the things that they've been talking about with AI is that um, an actor, background actor, or a voice actor, whatever, can be um, has to give permission to be scanned in order to be to become a digital double, which is what um, studios really want. They want these digital doubles to be able to manipulate what they want. They they think they want that. They don't, but they're idiots. So um, and so they and so like there's no protections in the contract language. So one of the big things is that there's no protections in the contract language that would, that would protect those people who say no. And studios could just fire them and find someone who will say yes. Right. And that's been a big talking point about this also. May I go just a couple of other choice examples that I think are really important? Yeah. Um, one of them is uh, there's no protections about if they are if they are digitally recreating you for something, um, your likeness is not protected as like you don't have authorization of how it looks. So if they shift up your hair or put you in something you wouldn't wear, change the color of your skin. Yes, mm. um, those kinds of things. They're not now. That's not to say like they automatically would do these kinds of things, but yeah. it's that. These things aren't protected against. Yeah. Um, yes. There's a lot of encouragement about you could be working on another project and they'll digitally be inserting you for things that you don't need to be on set for anymore. And it's like, am I getting a lot paid? of people don't want pay for that? Yes, they are. Well, um, eh, hey, you know what? That's I mean, this is not good. That's something that wasn't there. That's, that's the it's concession, good, right? That's, that's the concession, right? The, yeah. you, you will get paid for every time your digital double is used. But how far can and there's a lot of talk like, well, how far can they manipulate it until they don't consider it me anymore? There's a vague, there's a vagueness yeah. about 
what does that mean? Is it like you're you're they're they're digitally creating you for like the shot reverse shot, mm -hmm. so you don't need to be on set that day for a shot reverse shot scene? I think a lot of actors would be like, yeah, all right. I mean, that's like I'm, they did I'm on TV all the time. I'm personally, like, I'm personally fine. anti that because I think you lose something with your scene partner, and sure. like, good actors don't do that. But yeah. um, uh, it, it's that there's too much loose language around a lot of these things. That's really what it comes down to. Is there's just there's too many wiggle rooms where they can really um, mess with the situation. It's not saying like they automatically would, yeah. But they're not as protected as the surface level makes it sound like they could be. It's not as beneficial, and it's, it's giving a lot of uh if if ai is kind of a wild west terrain right now it's only kind of set up a jailhouse and said well we'll send you there when you do something bad but the term bad is really up for debate yeah um and and there's not a lot of other guidelines for this mm -hmm. uh so it's not ideal there's a lot of well we'll get we'll get it better next time and yeah slightly to the defense of the committee because it's a lot of pressure from not just the people who've been on strike but the rest of the industry that now that the writers are done they want to get people back to work especially in light of like everyone's afraid of a you know they're they're nervous about the window that they know they're they're going to do production for a while and then some other people are going to go on strike next year probably yeah unless the studios like pull their heads out of their asses so they don't want to get as much work as they've done yeah they can right yes. now yeah so so it's a lot of that kind of pressure happening right now um, in their defense, I personally believe, and I agree with a lot of other people that do, that this is, and it's just government moves too slow. This should be a federal regulation thing. AI needs to be federally well, moderated. They are, they are working on a bill. They are working on it. I know. <laughs> not fast enough. Um, yeah, not fast. This is the thing is like technology moves very quickly. Um, I do think that because there is a good chance federal regulation will step in at a certain point. If for no other reason than the defense of like public uses of AI are going to require art uses of AI to also be heavily monitored and protected, that they probably will be able to make it better in the future. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't change that. It's like, it doesn't sound great right now. Like this is not where, this is not uh, as well defended as you want it to be. Yeah. Um... There are a couple uh, services. I don't remember all of them, but but the biggest one is YouTube. YouTube now is having a thing where if you use AI art in your in your videos, you have to you have to basically tell you have to say that in your video, so it's always in your description. So like that doesn't solve any problems, but like that is getting out in the front of like, hey, this isn't original. And like YouTube has a, as a company has a lot of problems. It allows a lot of shitty people on there, but this is one kind of protection where it's like, hey, like we're putting this stamp well, on your on your shitty art, so you. So like everyone well, YouTube had to do that because they were actively like funneling money and sponsoring shows that were about AI recreating musical artists' voices. Mm -hmm. And that was the big thing that like YouTube was starting to get slammed about that. Good. And so YouTube, that's you know, let's not act like they did it no, no, you no, know, of altruistically. Course. Of course. No, uh, YouTube is not a good company. They get, they get they got slapped on the wrist and were like, all right, well, yeah. this is a concession we'll make. You have to stipulate. They didn't have to do the concession, is what yes, I mean. It's yes. a small thing. It is. I'm just trying to give you know some, no, some yeah, yeah, positivity. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just that like there's a lot of people talking about this, and and I I really don't like the language that the negotiating community is it, because I'm we all saw that video I'm sure of the of the 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 the, the one of the one of the committee saying um, that we got some great things and the things we didn't get, we'll get, we'll get next time. It's like, that's not guaranteed. So in three years, you're going to go on strike again like that. Now's the time. Now's the movement. And, I, and 
the, but here's real quickly, Ben. Just want to say real quickly too, because Sparks said something really, really interesting that we uh, we were talking about this personally um, last weekend. It that like if the members don't ratify this contract, the strike begins again, and they have to start from scratch. They have to start from zero, and that's going to be really tough, and that's going to be much more difficult than this ever was. Um, and it won't. They won't get. They won't get anything. At, the fear is they won't get anything. That's part of the problem is that they're going to lose their power and the goodwill of the rest of the workforce, which yeah. I can't I can't blame them because once it's down to these are AI protections for actors, if you're a person working crew who's been put out of business, like out of work for six months, and now things are finally about, so, like the news is saying like, we're going to go back to work. We're finally starting to, studios are actively like calling you up, starting to get you ready. Netflix put the gun to the stranger if things can't if cast. Like y'all get here tomorrow. But like for- Get for, out there, man. For, for the economy of, of LA crew or otherwise that had been ground to a halt, putting them back through it, you're, you're going to lose all that support if yeah. you go back on strike right now. Like, unfortunately- once they made the concession to take this, they kind of just have to take it now. Uh, yeah. I, I I agree with the actors who are like, I don't like this. And it's not what you thought you were fighting for uh, to the full extent. You believe that they were going to go and get something better. But because it's been so long, because of the politics of it, like you're not, you're just not going to have that groundswell support that you've had up to this point if you go back. Yeah. And yeah. and you might you might not, because of that, they'll be able to strong arm you into something worse. Because you're not going to have that support. Ben, you were going to say something before. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I haven't seen the video, but in regards to what Brandon said about that one guy saying, we got a lot of good stuff, but the stuff we didn't get, we'll get next time. There shouldn't be a next time. If you have a bunch of stuff that you really want, get it now, because if you try to get it next time, it's probably not going to happen, or the studios might have some form of leverage that you won't be able to get it at all. I mean, uh, that, that's how I'm looking at it. So I, I know I'm an outsider looking in. I don't really know what the, exactly what the strike was. Even when I was part of SAG after I I was a kid, I didn't know anything about what was going on. Just that I could put that on my re on my headshot. But I was like, get it now while you still can. And at least that's my personal opinion. The thing is, it's really uh, when you're in the union committee, they will negotiate on the other side and say like, these are a lot of things we're giving up. And for this part, we'll, we can revisit this in a few years. So why, why don't we start here and they make it foundational and that kind of thing. I agree with your point. Uh, it, it is very much like they made the call. They're kind of sunk now. Yeah. Um, like there's, I don't think there's a way around it. Like as a negotiating committee, like you're just not going to be able to get back into the position of power they had up to this point because of this. Yeah. Um, if they go on strike again, it's not going to work the same right now they could in three years but right now it's not gonna like now they kind of have to live with it unfortunately like and and but but the good the good side of this also is the studios still think ai is further along than it is and that they can do more with it than they can it's true and i don't i don't think in three years that they're going to be able to use it the way that they think they can yeah um and especially if federal regulations come in during that time they're really not going to fight for it as hard next time around. They just announced right. a movie with like with like like a with a uh, with a passed away musician and like oh we're going to artificially recreate her and it's going to be like artificial music and like after the strike happened and I'm like oh wow 
that's disgusting. Like full, the, like full, like it's, it's bananas. The only, the only thing that I have zero faith in our government or in our governmental body, and I know because I believe wholeheartedly that um, our government doesn't govern. It is one hundred percent all sides of the aisle bought by corporations. Um, so, like this is coming from this next statement is coming from that mentality. Um, I we know that the studios have created committees within them to funnel money into pro AI um, uh, regulations to prevent things that what we were talking about, this kind of like uh, this, the no fake uh, bill is what it's being, being called in, in, in our, in our government uh, to, to prevent that from going through. And because of how I feel about our government, because I feel it is completely 100% bought by these corporations, I don't have faith that those regulations will come to pass. So it's very difficult for me to feel any sort of kind of like hope that in the future, when the three, three years contract is over, that that regulation will have passed because I believe it will be struck down. That's kind of a really shitty place to be in my head is what I'm trying to say. Um, I hope you guys are right about that, though, because that'd be wonderful. Um. I I will only say because I've I've done this before a long time ago when we were talking about AI. Um, ideally, it is something that should be regulated on a government level, and this is something I felt ever since the deepfakes were taking off. Is that yeah. you were going to need to have people step into it because it's too easy to it's too easy to mislead people about. They did this. This just happened like uh, I think a month and a half ago that they had someone who is. Um, who is Palestinian and a celebrity saying that they were pro-Israel um, oh, yeah. in a conflict, yeah. and it was a it was a faked AI deep fake thing. Um, and yeah. that's and because those dangers exist for what people will just take at face value in political messaging, yes. Uh, that's why I do believe some amount will they let <clears throat> it will they take the same regulations over to art? That's the question. Yeah. Will there be right. federal regulation? Absolutely, there's gonna be something. Whether it's only about public figures instead of like performance fictional, stuff and fictional, fictional stuff, yeah, yeah. I mm -hmm. that that it remains to be seen. Right. They are going to do some kind of regulating, though. Real quick, Ben, uh, to go with that, uh, the model Bella Hadid, who is very openly Palestinian, she had an AI like uh, audio reconfiguration of her saying all that stuff. Oh, I don't believe it. I'm actually pro-Israel, and like she's like the most pro-Palestinian person alive. And she very quickly said, "This is like the most disgusting thing that's ever happened to me," and like. Yeah, I, I see it more on ha happening in the government level, and they'll just like ignore the art level, which is mm -hmm. e which is equally shitty. But like, I do I do think on on some level there will be some regulations, but it won't be it won't be for everybody. It'll just be for the people who yeah feel they need it. The question is, will we be able to get it to carry over to art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and recognize that it's a problem for protecting artists. Go ahead. Yeah, I was I was just gonna comment that a, a creator that I am a fan of, um, who I follow on social media, he was at a convention and he. And as to prove a point, this is when the strikes like first really started up. He's, or at least one of the things that led to the strikes was this um, advent in AI, where an, an artificial intelligence just heard a little bit of his voice and essentially copied it and read like a commercial copy. And he's just sitting there going, that's not me. This is an AI. This is why this is dangerous because, you know, something or someone can take your voice, reconfigure it, and make it you say things that you either don't agree with, don't, or um, you don't agree with, you don't believe in, or essentially say something incri possibly incriminating. 
will take your job also. And that's what the fear with voice actors, that's what exactly, the, fear the voice yeah. actors are facing right now because they, their voice is so recorded that you could just feed, uh, mm-hmm. uh, feed that audio into a computer. And what do we just see with James Earl Jones and Mark Hamill, right? You just feed that audio into a computer and then you, and yeah. then that's, that's what you, you just type in a script and there you go. And, that, yeah, and that's what up. like a lot of the voice yeah. actors are talking about. Like the protections aren't good for us either. Yeah. I brought it up real quick, but I brought it up a couple weeks ago, but Steve Bloom, he was on Twitter and he was like calling out this video that was using his, his voice through artificial means. Cause that's like one of the most like uh, <laughs> recorded people of all time. That's just been in like yeah. hundreds of things. Right. Like, and it was like, Hey, it's me, Steve Bloom. And I'm promoting this thing. And it's like, that's clearly not me. You all better take us down or I'm suing you. And I'm like, that is the future we're going to be in. And eventually it'll hit. I don't know if it'll happen like now, but like in, in very much in the future, like because technology, again, it grows really fast and it's getting better and better every day. Like it's going to start af- actually affecting shit. Uh, yeah. And like me- mis- misinformation is such a real thing these days. And like, it's only going to get worse when anybody can just <sighs> make anybody say anything. And that's I like, could, that's really scary. I could see it now. I, you know, I don't want to talk about that because that is a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down. Yeah. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep that thought to myself. I will move on and just say that, like, um, one of the big problems that the SAG that SAG after as a union is going to face is the fact that, like, when when you have put so much faith in your union, when like the WGA did, um, IATSE did for um, people who are in IATSE, what did for the, um, they never striked, but like the theme park worker bill that was going to that they were hoping to get get some wage increases for. You know, when you put your faith in the union to have your back and they don't and you feel like they don't like what happened WG, with the WGA in 2007, 2008, um, it really weakens the union. Mm-hmm. And it's not the members fault. It's the it's the higher ups fault. And it's, that, it's leadership that, fault. And that that really that really sucks because we, you we started both these strikes with two very strong unions, very strong united uh, united union unions that were going to that made a lot of promises and one of them got sounds like they got like everything they promised and they said like yeah this is we did it great job everyone pat yourselves on the back let's go home let's hope sag gets let's let's help sag get the same stuff and sag came back with this is the best we could do and that really weakens the union and that really sucks if I may, Brandon, really quick um, to, to do parallels for it. At my job, I'm part of a union. And there are some people, most of my coworkers, they have talked about how hard they fought to leave said union because to them, the union doesn't do anything. It's just taking money out of their paycheck. And they're they're constantly going to the union and talking to management. It's like, hey, we need stuff fixed and things aren't getting fixed. And I completely agree with them. Now, in my personal experience, I've the job I've worked, I've worked both union and non-union. And I would much rather have a union backing me when management pulls some real um, bullshittery. But I do see with, where my coworkers and even those people, like Brandon, you said, you have you have a union. These people believe in it. And they're like, hey, do make sure to work hard so we can have all these great things for us. And then when they back out, it just drains the strength of the union. It sucks, and I've seen that's it what, firsthand. That's what my union, my union is terrible. That, that's what my union is facing right now. They mm-hmm. really dropped the ball. Uh, they they didn't get the wage increase they promised, and uh, and it it sucks. And yeah. and you uh, have to really you have to rebuild that trust. I, mm-hmm. I want to just weigh in and say that like it's so important 
because it is such an easy reaction. It's so important that the choice is not get rid of the union, change the leadership in the union, yes. vote in different yes. people, get active. If you care, then get active, get involved, talk to your other coworkers, change who's running your union and be involved in the union activities. Uh, if you if you actually give a shit enough that you're thinking leave the union, because I'm telling you, leaving the union is a terrible, terrible choice. You will yeah. not get that power back. You need that power. You might have bad leadership who's not doing what you want them to do. Replace them. Don't get rid of your union. This is a general stance to anyone who's in a union and listening. If your coworkers are saying that, you tell them you don't want to give up union power. You want to change who's running it. That's all. Just mm -hmm. change who's in charge. That's um, what I was getting yeah. at. The fact that like it yeah that the reason why the 2007 strike and the 2023 strike are so different is because the leadership of the union was different vastly different than it was back then um, well, you know what it's i think it's very notable like think the comparisons about who was giving us information who was being very direct as far as like the people who were actually in the negotiating committee and being the representatives for the wga versus sag aftra right who was giving us information and who was being clearer you know, when you have people like Adam Conover out there doing it, we didn't really have people like that. We had really great actors in the union giving us information like Danny Fernandez, but we didn't have someone who's actually in the committee in the room guiding us through things. They weren't being that kind of open. So maybe their representatives aren't the representatives they're going to want going forward. So they changed those representatives. Um, I hope, because it sucks, it's a lose-lose situation right now. But like, I, I do think like, aside from the AI stuff, it's a lot of really great stuff in this contract. They really came away mm -hmm. with a lot of great victories over the studio. They really, really, truly did. And it sucks to do the wait and see pattern, but there is a bright side to this. If the AI thing is as bad as it's going to be because of this contract, if that truly does happen, all of the other parts of the, of the entertainment industry and the art industry that can look to this and say, no, we're going to fight for our AI shit harder for the protection so that you start putting up all those walls everywhere else and maybe actors come all the way back around and they need it too. But I think that's going to, that's going to motivate others to put up those barriers and defenses faster uh, in this case, if that truly is the way that it plays out so negatively as they're anticipating. Um, it's unfortunate yeah. that their committee leadership seems to have not had the lawyers or the people who had the depth of understanding of what the AI stuff was really saying in the room. But now that they've made the choice, they kind of do just have to go with it, stick with it, take your victories, which you did get a lot of victories in this. And yeah, you will at this point just have to come back around it on it in three years um, and just try to fight your fights with it where you can. That is what it is. But yeah. let, like, let's hope that it's a lesson to everyone else. The, the language that the WGA got was very clearly a writer as a person. And it sucks that the, that SAG-AFTRA didn't get that same language. An actor is a person. Um, yeah, right. But hopefully, hopefully it works out. Uh, the, like Spark said, there's a lot of good stuff in this contract still. You know, it's not, it's not a complete wash. Um, and, uh, you know, if it has to be next time, then it has to be next time. And that's just it's just what it's got to be. Notably, I think we were all 100% correct, which I, I don't think, I think it was obvious. Um, all those streamers were, the studios have clearly been preparing for like the streamer concession that they ended up having to do. They knew they were going to have to give something for writers and for actors. 
Um, and that's why you're seeing like those, we're going to see more of it, some more reallocating of like funds to say like, oh, we didn't lose any money in taking this deal um, because that's what they have to do. They have to make that that flawless exponential growth uh, from yeah. a CEO standpoint. God forbid they ever have any losses so that they pay the people who deserve to be paid. But Money um, laundering. But because of that, uh, yeah, that's why we're going to see like streamers increasing prices and budget cuts, things like that, um, because they are paying them now. Well, speaking happening. of speaking of our favorite our favorite CEO, David Zaslov said this about the WGA strike. They are right uh, about almost everything. So what if we overpay? I've never regretted overpaying for great talent or a great uh, or a great asset. Screw you. Um, dear Mr. Zaslov, fall into a ditch. Fall into a very very anymore. deep ditch, you motherfucker. The one, the one uh, from Ka uh, Wiley Coyote. With an anvil coming down. Yeah. Yeah. In the same place. Yeah, yeah. Just, um, just have that great animation with the classic falling sound effect, the poof at the end when they finally hit the floor. My favorite, my favorite, um, either Netflix or Amazon character, Wiley Coyote. So uh, real quick before we get into that, though, I do want to say that uh, there were some video game developments that kind of, you know, there's a looming video game strike. We don't know where the where they are on that one, you know whether or not the actors are going to go on strike or not. Um, Microsoft uh, Xbox has struck a partnership with uh, InWorld to bring AI-powered character stories and uh, quests into games. Uh, this basically includes a system that Xbox developers can use to create detailed scripts, dialogue trees, quest lines, and more through the use of artificial intelligence. I can already Lord. see Ben losing his mind. I need everyone to calm down. This is not being forced on anyone. They simply made a partnership. It's not a good partnership with it. Like, it's AI sucks. It is simply a partnership with AI that can be used in development. Nobody has to use it. Mm -hmm. I've already seen big developers say we won't use it. It's mm -hmm. simply a thing that they did a partnership with to get money. It sucks. We are not going to see in the next Halo artificially created people because video game, the video game industry is very much still pro people, uh, despite laying off uh, like 10,000 people this year. Yeah, uh, yeah you can't say that. They just laid, laid off like thousands of people. No, I understand. I know. But like this is not being forced upon anyone. There will be shitty developers, uh, not any of the good ones that we hang out with that we deal with, hopefully. Uh, but definitely like the the smaller indep independent place. I'm not worried about this. I just watched a great interview with the developer of Thirsty Suitors, which is an incredibly cool indie game. We're like, yo, this is all about family and being an immigrant, and this is not something AI could ever do. So like the games I play, I'm never going to have to worry about this. The shitty games that try to make a buck, people look and immediately realize like how AI sounds, what AI looks like. So like this is a partnership. It is not a it is not an absolute you have to do this. Obviously, it's crappy like, but you know, deals are going to get made. Uh, I'm not I'm not worried. Kind of, Ryan made me think of Ryan made me think of something just in relation to all the AI stuff that um, I think is also important to keep in mind, which is that um, we have seen increasingly as our as our art is willing to as our <laughs> as as the groups above or independent uh, artists are able to come forward more and more diversity in storytelling has happened over the past few decades because of uh, non-white male perspectives coming into the room and AI because of the way it's structured in making stories it's going to make all white male stories and uh, whether the, it's featuring white male characters doesn't matter like it's going to be from that perspective because the majority of the things that it's going to be basing all of its information off of is going to be that because we don't have enough diverse storytelling but we know that in a large sense audiences aren't going for that anyway yeah 
that's not really pulling uh, the same way that it did because that's all just been the sea of stuff for forever and people are done with it. Um, so I do think there's a small advantage in the fact that like people aren't going to be interested in just continuous white male based narratives. Sure. Um, I hmm? real, real quick, but because I've been because I've been itching to say to say something about just just one quick little thing about the whole AI thing, but also I want to say hello to to a friend of the show, Mint. She's in the chat. Hi, Mint. Um, to Ryan's point about some developers using AI, it's I'm just essentially going cough mobile games, cough cough. Yeah. And um, the only thing I'm going to say about my, the Microsoft partnership because I just. I mean, I unfortunately fell into the thing of I just read the headline, didn't dive into the whole story. Ryan's yeah. right. It's only a partnership. Developers are not being for that don't have a gun to the head. But all I'm going to say about that is the Grogu gif of no, 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 no. And that's all I'm going to say about that. It's a bad thing. I really, I really hate talking about something like this, but I felt it was important because like, I, I, I'm so glad, Ryan, that you are so positive about the video game industry. I, I love that you love video games as much that you do. And I'm so glad that you are so hopeful that things, the thing is like, there's a reason why this, why SAG after is considering striking. Uh, there's, there's, there's a reason why they did this. And the reason is, is because whether or not video game developers, people who actually make those games, the people who get laid off every single time the Epic doesn't make a buck uh, out of their money-making machine, Fortnite. Those are the people that like the video game industry doesn't care about. It's it, because the people at the higher up, they don't care, but they don't care. So you're right. No one's got a gun to their head. Absolutely correct. I am not as positive on corporations in general. So, and that, that, trickles down into video game corporations yeah no, you're right i'm not yeah. saying that this is the end all be all i'm not running to the hills with pitchforks and running up the blizzard and going throwing it in there no absolutely not this is just a partnership it's not the end of the video game industry no but this is a bad precedent and it's a sign that the higher ups not the develop not the people making the games the guys above them are looking are looking down the same thing that the people that the CEOs like David Zaslav are looking down. They want they want this. They want this. No, I'm not saying that's not you're right. No one's got a gun to their head, but it's not great. And especially to like to, to announce this when you're looking down the barrel of a video game actor strike, that's suspect. Oh no, I agree. Like it's it sucks that, that like this even happened at all. Um, I just like a lot of people are catastrophizing this, and like that's the right catastrophizing. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I just want to make sure I was pronouncing it right. Um, again, like specifically in the indie space, I'm not worried about this at all because the lifeblood of video games, as much as like you know Spider Man and Zelda make you know they sell millions of copies, that's the lifeblood are indie developers trying to cut their name on making games, and it's the same as any artist. Like people, people make this shit. Whether it's an independent movie or an independent game, uh, at the at at the base level, people don't want this. The only people that this like, I could see this shit happening at like Ubisoft or something like that. Like, they, like I'm not I'm not worried about Overwatch doing uh, uh, AI stuff. I'm not worried about uh, Baldur's Gate. You know, I'm not worried about any of these big games. It is it is going to be like Call of Duty. It's going to be like the ones that like really grind the developers into dust. Uh, like it's so. 
it, it, it probably will show up somewhere. It's not going to show up in any games I'm playing or, or a lot of people are going to be playing because people recognize that shit and they don't want to see it. The same thing. The first time we see an AI movie, no one's going to see it because we recognize it. Uh, what I will say is I think both the community of ga video game players, but also people who are involved in making them, there's a lot more familiarity with what AI is yes. what, and how AI can be a tool and where I, AI becomes a problem. Video game are all, is all technology. And I think they're far more prepared for knowing where they can use it as a tool and where they can't. And uh, that, you know, obviously like corporations, there are people, as Brandon's alluding to, at the higher up level who are going to see the same thing that Zaslav seeing, which is, uh, you know, oh, an easy way for me to cut down on my workforce. But I think in a general sense, like, that can come that call can come from up above and unfortunately like people can lose their jobs and ultimately what will win out is like you can't make video games that way and yeah. i and i and i really truly believe that like it, it might it might be i think what this this applies in a grander way to film and television but like really specifically to video games over the next few years we might see shitty decisions and like people losing jobs and things like that because of what they think they can do with ai but it won't win out. It doesn't work, especially in like that video game capacity. The people who make them, they know. Um, and in fact, they probably will make it worse in on purpose um, in, in an effort to accentuate the problems of trying to rely on AI. So I, I'm, the... I'm not suspecting AI being a major problem beyond, beyond the occasional thing in the video game industry. The only thing that I'll say, the, the last thing I'll say about this, the only real thing that I can see is is, is genuinely a possibility happening soon, is um, the video game industry, the people who run the developers, sees all the talk about how, hey, stop crunching your workers, stop, stop crunching your people, um, let them let them have time to breathe, let them do the let them do what they can, and says, okay. We'll do that by using these AI, um, these AI tools. And that's not the, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, that's not the lesson I want you to take. That's not the shortcut I want you to take. I want you to just give your developers more time, not, not find a way to shortcut this. That's my, that's no. my only, like, that's my biggest fear of like, will we see that, will we see them be, take, just be like, oh yeah, we'll give you what we want by doing this thing that you don't want. I this is it's not a game I, I I'm going to play or will play but there is a game out right now uh, uh uh it's called the finals and it is a multiplayer only shooter and it is using AI uh voice narrative for the um in between like shout cast and like oh this player just did this and um the second people found out and uh the developer uh uh the the uh he went on did an interview and he talked about like yeah it's so easy and blah 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 and you know we can't always get people in the studio that guy got destroyed that game is getting destroyed because people do not want this shit in their games. And now that game went from being some people, a game people were excited about to people are stopped playing that game and they're going to change that shit now. And they're going to hire people to do those voice actors because the second somebody found out, the entire industry is against it. Everybody who cares about games is against it. Just like in the way in the movies, like everyone's against it, but, for, but movies, unfortunately actors and like screenwriters aren't as involved in like visual effects whereas video games it's nothing but technology it is everything to do with our artificial intelligence and creating something so it's so much easier to notice it and to get rid of it and to combat it in video games because it's it's from the get-go is using it 
Uh, and and so I, it is being used now, and people are vitriolic about it, like true, like heinous. Like that was like that the day that that interview said, like, oh yeah, it's easier than hire a voice actor. That guy got scrutinized. Uh, so it's already happening, uh, and people are are, are combating it, um, which is lovely. Uh, one last thing I'll say about AI, and then I want to move on to like more exciting things and some some upsetting, but some exciting uh, things to talk about um, that you made me think of, Ryan. That is the key, I, I think, in all of it, in all of the AI stuff in federal regulation is as long as we can get something passed that says, regardless of what form it's in, public image, art, video games, what have you, you have to disclose it's made with AI. If that as long as we can get that stipulation, I do think as long as we can't like lie to an audience about is this the real thing or is this made with AI, I do think that there is a a lot of people who will turn away from wanting to see something that's solely made with AI. Um, and and that's doing that kind of process. I do think we will largely see that response. Yeah. And I think that's the key to victory in all of it. The only people who can, who like AI are, are blue blue check marks on Twitter. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, all right, I'm done with this. Um, let's move on. I already talked about David Zaslav. So do I want to talk talk about Coyote versus Acme? Yeah, the thing that I really really hope gets him fired. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so friend of the show, Dan, and also my DM on Dean Dark, Danger Dan Jers sent me a TikTok saying, because he knows how much I do not like Zazloth. You all know how much I do not like that man. And he sent me a great TikTok about how, essentially give you the TLDR version of how Coyote versus Acme might open the door to Zazloth facing real actual punishment. And I find that hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very, it's the most egg on the face thing that's happened so far for him. Um, and there's yeah. been a lot of eggs on that man's face. But like, oh, yeah. this is the biggest one. Um, this was a big old, fresh off the pan boiling one that fell right on his face because it got out so clearly for so many people that this was getting shelved and the revelation that like it was a finished product they lied when they said they were going to stop doing this that it was just a one-time thing and now here we are at something else being put through this process it had tested well it's good it doesn't it doesn't financially like people have talked about like in terms of what they get from the write-off and in terms of what they should get from a successful film release it just doesn't make sense for making making money for the company yeah um and it doesn't people them people wanted to buy it. Like people were like interested in buying this film to distribute it. And Warner brothers, David Zaslav said, it's not for sale. And that, and yes. And so, and so like the, the long and the short of the story is that got out. Um, there was, there was outrage from us, obviously like as there usually is with Zaslav decisions. But the important thing was that filmmakers not only voiced their problems with it actively, the people who were involved and people who knew it or people who saw it, but also that filmmakers started calling in and canceling meetings with Warner Brothers. And because yes. of that, then it looked really bad. So they decided to open it up for shopping into other places. Now, that's still a really weird decision because now this is maybe some of the best marketing it could have. Yep. Um, some people have pointed out if any of these other things get it, um, all they have to do is release a trailer that says, see the Looney Tunes film Warner Brothers didn't want you to see, and it'll make a yeah. billion dollars. Oh, and yeah, like, parkour. And, and that's it. Especially and so, with John Cena. And so it's, it's, 
it's truly like it already was confusing why to not release this movie and make the profit from it selling it off now it's going to make more money and it's just so confusing why warner brothers doesn't just release it themselves because they're stupid and, and that money isn't going to go to warner brothers it's going to go to the person to the, to the people no it'll go there is there will be a good chunk that will go to warner brothers it's yeah, still that property the, they still own all, they still they, own looney tunes yeah, but not the biggest chunk. And I know I've made this argument before about how I mean we all agree we're all in consensus that Zazoff is a uh, is stupid beyond measure. But just hearing the fact that there was a Looney Tunes movie made, and it was finished, and he decided to put it on the shelf. Looney Tunes is Warner Brothers' bread and butter. It's like how Mickey Mouse is to Disney. That essentially is those two animate the Warner Brothers and Disney are and were animation titans they we have talked like, about it yeah we've we talked about, about it like, one, like it's they're doing 100 years and yeah. like this is their legacy is by chopping up their studio oh and no we're out of strikes i can talk wait 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 we're out of strikes i can mention it now teen titans go is the only thing from warner brothers that's doing anything appreciating the legacy of 100 years if you don't know about that they did an episode where they brought back like cameo appearances from the entirety of warner brothers history of animation into a single episode um love it and did that whole thing and that's like the one thing warner brothers has that's yeah. doing it I mean, Disney, they're doing something with 100 years. I mean, they have, like, like hey, remember 100 years of this? They're putting out some other films. Well, they're on putting out special... Wish. Yeah, I mean, Wish, but also they're put they're releasing films on DVD with a special 100 anniversary. No, no Ben, no, no, I'm serious. They're putting out Wish. That's the equivalent. Yeah. Wish is there, like, hey, this is the origin of our wishing star, the thing that started our company, the thing that's so important to us. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. The Warner Brothers' equivalent was Coyote versus Acme. Also, Once Upon a Studio. I don't want anyone to forget that they made yeah, a dedicated animation short. Great animated short. Um, I need to see that. I haven't um, seen the whole thing. Um, but but it's, Coyote, it's versus, Coy- Coyote versus Acme was a movie in the style of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It ha- showcases a lot of practical stunts. Um, it showcases a lot of really interesting... Uh, we've seen a lot of it. A lot of interesting music came out of it. Um, it's about... It's something that's really interesting because when I heard about it, it sounded awesome. Um, it's it, it's a, it's about Coyote suing Acme uh, for all for all of their shit that he buys from them blowing up in his face, which yes. is a great concept. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful, and uh, and it's it's a Looney Tunes back in action successor, which yeah. that movie was ahead of its time. But but that's what a lot of people have likened it to, and I I love that movie. I think that's a great blend of the Looney Tunes and live action stuff um and so if we're doing something in that vein that's wonderful um it's it's just so so this was going to be a max movie and when you look at it as like how it was doing and what it costs and how it was testing and oh we're just going to release it on a streamer i see how that on paper is a loss right where the tax write-off makes more sense but you could just put it in theaters you could just put it in theaters i understand that it was made for max that you thought it was going to be scheduled for max it's clearly doing well with a lot of other people in the industry who are seeing it, put it in theaters and make the profit. I don't, I don't get it. And I don't think that it appreciates that there is an audience hungry for a Looney Tunes project. That's not space jam two with LeBron James. Like, I don't, I don't think that it really has the thought on that. That would, that would work. Um, And, and I really believe it would. I, I just, 
I'm glad. I'm the point is I'm glad that it's saved. I'm glad that's it's being shopped around and that we are going to get this movie one way or another. That's wonderful. It really sucks, I think, for Warner Brothers as a company. Yeah. Like F Zaslav, I don't care about him. But the fact that Warner Brothers itself as a company doesn't get to own the success of Coyote versus Acme, a Looney Tunes thing. That kind of is a bummer. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Bro, they have Looney Tunes and Batman going to other studios. Like what 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 are we doing right. uh and yeah like so, potentially uh federal regulators like so like like could potentially get in because somebody's on twitter was like yo it's like uh lighting your barn fire for insurance money like after mm -hmm. you do this so many times like you gotta we're gonna look into this potentially yeah. yes i do think that's a great analogy that 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 um that caught the senate member came yeah. out and said uh yeah this is the art equivalent of burning down your own building and collecting the insurance and he's like that doesn't make sense that we allow this yeah so um sparks brought this up already but um i think what i think that i think it's really interesting that coyote versus acme was the one like batgirl was tragic and it sucked and i still wish i could have seen that movie um but everyone was kind of like all right this is suspect but maybe it was just this one time but coyote versus acme is the one that got the FTC is already kind of looking at is already kind of wondering, like, what can they do about the film studios right now? Because it, it's getting a little out of hand, um, especially if, if Zaslav is interested in buying and selling Warner Brothers. Um, and so he so like looking at this and then being like, all right, I think we need to look at this. I think the government going like first off, the government going in and being like, we need to look at this. The creatives canceling their meetings with with Zaslav and being and with Warner Brothers and being like we don't want to work for this company anymore and then James Gunn um who didn't who hasn't said anything except released a, an image of of of, of, <laughs> of the coyote cooking um uh which seems to imply that he he worked behind the scenes to kind of get this film saved because he's a writer on this film so of course he would want to see it and if he's if he is running DC Studios he's got some pull Mm -hmm. and, he, and he can't he can't say anything publicly against Zaslav because it's his boss like like people yeah. were like why is he saying anything well, he's because, like no he literally can't well and because he's not just in the position of a filmmaker where it, it's like you could advocate for your movie against just as the others who were involved were like this really this is really disheartening and da, da, da. yeah james gunn is a a figurehead now within the warner brothers company system um he had to lie about the flash which we all know he did um because <laughs> that's that's the job title now and it's a bummer that that's he has to be that company man yeah and i i imagine that somewhere in him what he's doing is is seeing this as like i have to do these things to get to making incredible art that i think people are really going to be appreciative of and like a la the dc films that will come out in the future but it does say a lot about who Zaslav is as a person that James Gunn was part of this film it, it being developed and that didn't even protect it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And that like, he thought there would be zero. It, it just truly like we've talked about it, He's an idiot. It really shows how much he's an idiot. This was so public and bad for the company. It's truly impossible for me to think it could get to the point where like film creatives were saying, we're not going to come work at Warner brothers anymore. And the shareholders aren't going, it's time to give Zaslav the Chapek. Yeah. Mm. It's just, it's probably, honestly, I think Zaslav has too much pull at Warner Brothers because he owned Discovery. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like uh, Zaslav loyalists that are not part of the board. Mm, yes, I'm probably. sure that's, I'm sure that's true. But like, 
you got to look at the big picture of of what's happening with your with your shares in this company now um Mm -hmm. and like this is the one time where like i give a shit about shareholders is like y'all got to care about the direction of these things because it's your investment in the future. Yeah. Cause like, and like Zaslav is burning it. Yeah. The shareholders mm-hmm. like, you know, they're, they're all money, man. Like they don't, they like, they don't have, they don't care about art, but like they do care about making money. And this dude is actively like making them lose money. It's like, Hey, <laughs> you know what would have made you a lot, lot of, of I'm sorry, Ryan, but you know what would have made him a lot of money? Batgirl. You know what Zaslav did? He put it on the shelf for a tax break. I'm pretty sure. I'll you be guys real. Happy. I'll be real. I don't think Batgirl would have made a lot of money. But it would have been more than what they got as a tax write-off. I, well, yeah, and this it, is another this is another example, right? The other two projects that prominently like were finished or near finished that were canned, they were also for max productions. Yes. Right? They weren't going to go to theaters. And I understand on a level the notion that this is not profitable enough on putting it on max. But you kind of can't fin- convince me that it wouldn't have turned enough profit. That would have been the first time people saw Michael Keaton back as Batman. People would have gone and seen Batgirl. I, I'm not going to say like would have saved the bank, but it would have made more than I believe the tax write-off got them. Yeah, that's um, what I was saying. Yeah, like Blue Beetle. Yeah. Blue Beetle didn't make a lot of money, but it still made more money than his tax write-off would have been. And that was also a max production that was turned into a theatrical production. Exactly, you're exactly correct, and that's that's the thing where Wasn't you sit there with Batgirl. Evil Dead, also originally Evil Dead Rise. Yeah, Evil yeah. Dead Rise, also a max this is the thing is like i do think i i understand like pulling away from max i don't think there's any way to save scoob holiday haunt because it's a short special i think that had to go to max um like you just kind of had to be willing to take that that'll get leaked in like a year or something god willing um i'm not yeah um but i i still think that it it's it is like this man is has made decisions that i just don't feel you can justify after a certain point and i think at the point that you're losing future business with creatives is when you have to start to go we need to change the leadership here because i i i don't even believe like while they might come back in after this um i don't think there's a lot of trust with warner brothers i don't think we're going to see the end of this creatively like we might not know all the behind the scenes but i'm i'm telling you every creative that canceled that meeting they didn't pick up the phone and reschedule those meetings just because of this change. Yeah. Some of them maybe. Yeah. Not all of them. Yeah. Some of them aren't coming back while Zaslov's there. That's just true. Yeah. I I I I'm glad we're going to get to see this movie finally. Um I, I'm very excited about it. I have been since I first heard about it years ago. Um it's it it looks awesome. We haven't seen obviously footage of Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner, but like some of those like stu- that stunt reel that came out was really cool. Um, that's actually I, I, not. I'm glad it stayed. It just sucks that this happened. Uh, yeah, it's not. There are some stills that got leaked out there uh, from the movie, um, just a few, but they look good. There's there's yeah. no way that a James Gunn written John Cena starring Looney Tunes movie was going to be bad. Yeah. It would have been at least no. entertaining, but the fact that like everybody in Hollywood who's seen it is like, yo, this movie rules? What are they doing? Um, uh, I'm a big, uh, just real quick, Ben, I'm a big um, Looney Tunes back in action dork. Uh, I love that movie, and I, I really love Steve Martin's performance as the CEO of Acme in that movie. There was a concept art piece that came out because of this that shows Wile E. Coyote sitting in the main offices of Acme, and it's the original cartoon iteration of who they thought the head of Acme was back in the original classic Looney Tunes shorts, and then Steve Martin's character in two portraits. Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, that's really good. Same canon. 
That's good. I was just going to put a personal note on this because growing up when I was a kid, my two favorite Looney Tunes cartoons were Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner cartoons. Mm -hmm. I, those are my two favorite Looney Tunes of all time. I absolutely love those characters. And by proxy, Wile E. Coyote is, is one of them because when I would watch Roadrunner, I would always love to see Wile E. Coyote get into his annex on trying to catch the Roadrunner. It was hilarious. It was funny just seeing all the stuff that could go wrong. And what I remember when they, yeah, when they first mentioned this, this is like the perfect Looney Tunes movie. This is like they 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 mined and they found gold. And the fact that this movie is that people are saying it is good. I want to see this movie. I want to support this movie. I want to watch this. And the fact that thankfully we're getting the chance and Zazov can't keep it away just makes me happy. Amazons. I think the more the more movies you can get that treat the Looney Tunes the same way that the Muppets are treated in their films, the better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just it's just so bafflingly done. This is the last thing I want to say about this. Like, because there's no because after all this, I'm just going around in circles. But it's so it's so bafflingly dumb that you have a movie that's done, tested well, better than any than better than most movies test, and people want to buy it, like the distributors want to buy it, and you just go. Nah, thirty million dollars actually. I I think you're how very you right. That? Like I truly, I truly can't uh, understate how impressed I am that we'll come on here every podcast episode and say like, I mean, how can Zaslav get any dumber? And then and he, and he and I, I just I don't. How does he do it? How does he get past this one? I don't but, know. Don't worry, guys. He I, also I talked about how. Don't worry. Our live service video game model is never looked better. <laughs> Look, get ready for more. Boy, howdy! Y'all, want, Suicide Squad is going to be dead on arrival. We really have I, to crack children's entertainment. I feel we need to crack children's entertainment. Also, I'm not going to continue uh, Jessica's Big Little World. <laughs> Shoots um, the cartoons. Who's doing this? I don't know how, because we already know the bar is at the very bottom part of the Marianas Trench. I don't know how it could keep getting lower. Like, you have to get James no. Cameron to get, go down and find the bar. The uh, that's a South Park joke. But Zaslav somehow manages to do it. He's like, you know what? No, let's okay. actually make it under, actually 100% under the crust of the earth. Let's keep it Let's keep lowering the bar. Let's just do that. Comical villain at this point. Zaslav yeah. has I just, a hollow earth theory and that there's something to find if he keeps lowering that bar. It's just so weird how this, how, how you clearly see the trends moving a certain way and just do the exact opposite. Like with the live service model, like nobody wants a live service model. And you're just like, I'm just going to keep doing it. Uh, yeah, exponential growth, baby. It's the only way to go. Always up. All right. Never down. Uh, Let's talk about something else. What else do you guys want to talk about? I got something I want to talk about. and Go for it. So this news originally got me like, ooh, and then I read into it. Now I'm like, uh, because to be completely honest, I actually forgot who a certain person was involved in this. Mm. On a casual Tuesday, Shigeru Miyamoto took over the Nintendo Twitter account. Miyamoto here. (laughs) Yeah. Straight up, just casually said, BT dubs. We've been working on a live-action Legend of Zelda movie with Sony and Avi Arad. And at first, I was like, I know that's a name I know, but I completely forgot who Avi Arad was. So part of me was I, like a little bit excited for it. Real quickly, Ben, I legitimately didn't know that Avi Arad was still with Sony. Really? Oh, yeah, he is. That yeah, man's going to die there. Yeah. He's going <laughs> to haunt gonna... those halls. 
Uh, some poor Sony employee is just gonna be walking down. And they go, "Oh, what's that?" And then the, a season is like, "Oh, that's just uh, that's just obvious ghost. Don't worry about it." I'm the guy Harry who canceled. It's just the guy who canceled Spider-Man cartoons. You guys, yeah. hey, did you guys know that Columbia TriStar Pictures is celebrating a hundred years, but it's like buried under the fact that like it's owned by Sony, so everyone thinks Sony celebrating a hundred years because media literacy is dead. Yep. Uh, I did not know that. Got the lady, that. and there's a hundred. Sony, Sony, which wasn't invented until post World War II. Uh-huh. Yeah. Does on my mind. yeah. But anyways, they Nintendo said that they are working on a live action Legend of Zelda movie. And it and it it's being produced in conjunction with Sony, and the bill is being split 50-50. Sony is putting up half the bill, Nintendo is putting up the other half, and apparently they're working um very closely with uh, Sony on the production of this film. But not only do we have a, a major or the the air quotes big name producer being Avi Arad, the film is going to be directed by Wes Ball, who, according to The Verge, his biggest film is the Maze Runner trilogy. So and apparently quickly, he man. also wrote Kingdom real, and he also the Kingdom of the quickly. Planet of the Apes that's coming out. He's right. He directed it. He directed Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. His most notable films, really the only three films that he's directed prior. I think he's got one before the Maze Runner. I'm not, I can't see his IMDb real quickly. Um, but are the Maze Runner films. He wrote, he directed the yeah. Maze Runner trilogy. And then he, and then he tried to get a mouse guard film going off the ground for a long time, which was eventually canceled, uh, which sucks because I really wanted to see that. Um, and now he's doing Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. And then after that, he'll do Legend of Zelda. So, He's not, you know, I'm not crazy about the Maze Runner films, but I, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes looks awesome. So I'm I not. think having not seen all those movies, having maybe seen like 30 minutes drunk of the first one, I don't mm -hmm. think the directing is a problem of those movies. No, it's not. I can and, tell you as a person who read the book and saw the first movie, okay. the directing is not and a problem. From everything we've seen and heard about the new the Planet of the Apes movie, that looks like a banger. So like, I'm mm -hmm. not, I don't have a problem with this director. Um, No problem with, with that director at all. Mm -hmm. I also um, don't have a problem I, with the writer. Derek Connolly uh, wrote Detective Pikachu, and I like that movie yeah, a lot. Did. So, yeah, he did. Um, I mean, he also wrote um, the Jurassic World, some of the Jurassic World, or all the Jurassic. He wrote World the first films. Jurassic World film, which is mm -hmm. also a movie I really like. But I deliberately yeah. said Detective Pikachu because that's a movie that is universally yeah, yeah, yeah. liked, rather than Jurassic yeah, it World. is. It is universally liked. I so I'm now I get all this news. The biggest red flag is Avi Arad, personally um yeah. but at the same time i don't know how i feel about this because part no, of me I is bet. like yay but another time is like i don't know like because the biggest debate right now is do we need a live action legend of zelda and not an animated one because we were hoping animation was the way to go because with animation as using the mario movie as an example you can make all these amazing set pieces and you can go balls to the wall crazy without needing to build to put money into sets and to put money into all these things because ryan as we said in our legend of zelda tears of the kingdom review the zelda is like the um the prestige show version of nintendo's properties like whilst mario is a fantastic show everyone loves mario it's mario is like on like the major networks zelda is like the hbo show that you go that you like shell the extra money to watch because you know yeah, you're yeah. getting something great and well, I'm not saying that you we can't get great live action fantasy. I mean, come on, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But those movies had a big ass budget. And I mean a big ass budget. And if you look at some of the set pieces in Zelda games, not just one, but the entirety of Zelda, 
how are they going to do that so, in live action? Real quick, because I know you have a lot to say too. Um, obviously, I don't want this live action. Mm-hmm. Like, that's uh, anything could be good, but like, if you really want to do this justice, like animated is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, like, if if I'm looking just at West Ball as a director, and I'm looking at the trailer for Kingdom of the Planet that he has, that's a, that has a that has an epic adventure scope. So the it, this Zelda, uh, this movie can be a Lord of Rings esque movie where Link is traveling across Hyrule on his horse. We get beautiful vistas. You have two or three epic set pieces and a couple battles in between. It doesn't have to be Breath of the Wild giant and like you know exploratory like where you're doing so much stuff. It can be a more streamlined version. I see that movie in my head like Lord of the Rings and that movie works. I just feel like you're losing so much without having this be animation. You mm-hmm. just you can do so much more. It would look so good. Like with Sony to... specifically, imagine, dude, imagine like Spider Verse or TMNT looking like oh, Zelda. God, yeah. Like, give me a break. We could have that. If you, but we're not. if you did animation, Link would have to talk less, which is my biggest thing. Yes, that's because yes. because Ben had us twice read uh, Legend of the Zelda, Legend of Zelda books, and guess what? Everyone's general problem was. Link's basically just your prototype anime shonen hero. Yeah. He just doesn't have much of a personality outside that because Link doesn't have a personality in the game. You are Link. You are the Link between... That's the twice? whole yeah. yeah. Yes, we did do it twice. You weren't on one of them. Oh, okay. I remember the first one. One of them, real quick, these are both in the archives. This is why I know this. One of them is from the very early days. I'm also not on it. Ben did it with Ryan and uh, the other person who guest hosted the one time that Ryan had to call in because his car wasn't working. Oh, Way wow. back at the beginning of the podcast. That, oh, that shitty car, I don't miss that. Okay, and then there was another time that we all did, the four of us together, and we all agreed, yeah, Link is kind of just bland and boring. Yeah. And guess what? In a live action movie, Link's probably going to be bland and boring. <sighs> yeah. Um, he's going to be Aaron Taylor Johnson from Godzilla 2014. No offense to the movie, but like the character is <laughs> dull as shit. God, uh, and, no. and like that's what you're gonna get in live action in an animation you can get away with like much more expression in the face less talking yeah i can connect with that character more in fact i would go so far as to say if you're gonna do an adaptation of zelda you should actively make link mute and you can have you can have a companion you can have either uh hey listen you can have that character you can have tingle there are so many other characters that you can have be links like voice for him and he'd be very expressive and action focused but yeah. we're gonna get some young young whippersnapper, and he's gonna be quippy as shit, probably. <laughs> probably no, Tom no, no. I know no, that's, that's the fun. That's, that's the, jo- that's the joke online. It's gonna be Tom Holland because you know Tom yeah, yeah. Holland and Sony. Um, and now, oh, not gosh. only that, it's for me, it's. I was thinking it. Not only besides that, it's just what do you do with a live action Zelda movie? It's like, do you have a? Um, you do take an own your own like original idea that Nintendo helps um, storyboard, or do you try to adapt one of the games? Because the big the the big one that a lot of people are pointing to is Ocarina of Time. Like yeah. whenever a Zelda property gets mentioned, nine times out of ten, the all the fingers point to Ocarina. So many people say Ocarina of Time is like the end all be all, the best Zelda game ever made. It's also it, the most interesting and a deal yeah. of time travel. So that could be like, in terms of making a movie, that's the most interesting aspect of it is to do the time travel like that way. I, I, I think Ocarina, it doesn't have to be exactly that, but right. I think Ocarina is the one to adapt if we're going to. You know what that'd be easier to do with? Animation. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, like, as, a person, as a person who like, the Mario movie is a dull as shit story, but um, 
the the way that they were able to bring in so much of the video games and pay respects to an homage, well, whatever story you decide to adapt or some amalgamation of them, you can kind of have like a ton of Easter eggs and references and fun ways of navigating to be a celebration of Zelda across the board. Very easy to do in animation. Live action? I really doubt it. I really doubt it. Shit. I don't think it's going to be good. No, it is, it's, it's going to take itself too seriously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, even you, you look at stuff like on Zelda games right now, you would think that, oh, wow, Nintendo really took themselves seriously with their Zelda games. No, nah, not really. There's, I mean, yeah, there are parts of the story, Tears of the Kingdom, go watch the review, the link is down there. There are parts of the story where Ryan and I talked about in Tears of the Kingdom that does, like, pull your heartstrings. Take a shot every time I say emotional gut punch. I say that a crack ton a lot in that review. But there are good parts. There are good emotional beats in Zelda stories. But a but also, there are funny bits. There are yeah, hilarious characters. Yeah. Zelda's goofy. Yeah, Zelda's goofy. it is. You're flying with chickens. <laughs> yeah, you're flying with chickens. You have a, a race of... You have a species of Hyrule that literally eats rocks. They eat rocks. Their rocks look like meat on the bone. And they mine for it. It's stupid. And it's funny. And I love them. I think you're... I think an audience in general is more willing to embrace the bright and colorful and fun aspects of Zelda. Yeah. If it's in animation and live action, just the standard of films and just even based off West Ball's career, it's not going to go there. It's muted. It's just not going to go there. Yeah. I I really hope they do a color palette like Breath of the Wild, Wind Waker, or even Ocarina, and they don't do something muted like Twilight Princess. And I love Twilight Princess. I absolutely adore that game. That's why my favorite I got bad, I got ever. bad news, bro. Like Sony, because that's a Sony movie, and look at uh-huh. like like we'll talk about Madam Web in a second uh, when, when uh-huh. I bring that one up. But like Sony, like look, especially West Bowl, his all four movies that he's directed, they're all like muted colors. And Planet of the Apes looks great, Kingdom, Kingdom but that's of, like, but that's like realistic. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is the most colorful. To be fair to the Maze Runner films, at least the first two, from what I remember of the trailers, they do kind of like a. This whole this whole aesthetic of the new maze is, is kind of like a color palette unto itself. Okay, okay, sure. That it that it washes. I just remember in, giant mazes being gray. <laughs> that it washes itself in, but like I I I do I do still think like this is more of a Hollywood problem than anything. But like the thing is, it doesn't cater to Zelda. Like it just doesn't. Like the current Hollywood climate doesn't cater to Zelda, and I just don't think it's going to break the mold of what's already being done in that space. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm. I am thankful that it's not Illumination making this movie, but like, yeah, true. but like, but like also like, I almost would rather it be Illumination. So at least looks colorful and vibrant than like a movie that looks like Lord of the Rings, which again, those are great movies, but I don't want my Zelda to look like Lord of the Rings. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like I, Zelda is bright and colorful and a lot really fun and like exuberant. And like, I, I'm worried that this is going to be really self-serious and it's going to try to ape Lord of the Rings. And it's like, I got to rescue the princess. Oh, or even worse, Game of Thrones. Oh, no, I just, figure it out. I just watched, uh, I just watched the two towers the other day and I forgot how cool it looked when the Balrog and Gandalf are falling down and they're fighting and the flames going. It's so cool. Oh um, yeah, baby. Uh, but I want, I want to, I just want, I, I want one thing I just want to say about your animation discussion. I just sure. want to quickly just bring that up. He was so burnt by not getting able to complete Mouse Guard. I'm really surprised he didn't decide to go the animation route with this film. And that's all I wanted to say. Well, because I think it's, you know, it's not really, it's not like he brought Zelda to them. You yeah. Know? Like he gets on board. They're already making a live action movie. That's the decision that like 
Nintendo made because yeah. we want Zelda in live action. And I think it's a wrong call. I think I think there are franchises they have that can be live action. I don't think this is one of them. Captain Falcon, baby. We've had the we've had the like April Fool's joke Netflix Legend of Zelda thing living with us for so long that I'm telling you, I've thought about it ever since it came out. I'm IGN. Like, I don't yeah. think this is the call. Yeah. I don't think live action with Zelda is ever going to be the correct choice. I just don't. If if there were to be a live action Nintendo thing, the first Metroid. the first franchise, yeah, Metroid. Oh, that, that is dark and gritty and like exactly, straight yeah. up alien in space, but with a bounty hunter lady. Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zelda, I feel Zelda needs to be animated. A Zelda film has to be an animated film. But, oh, well, I mean, once again, the film is in production. I know they're trying to work on it. I don't want to say I hope the film dies, but at the same time, I I am just very, I'm going to be looking at the, the news that when the news comes out of this film, when more and more news pieces come out, honestly, part of me kind of hopes that something happens that they do have to scratch the whole project and restart something else. And maybe it'll not go wrong. back to the animation, but it's probably me not. not because Zelda is tell- you. Uh, I'll tell you right now, then like the trajectory is that it's going to come out. It's going to be near last airbender film level oh. of disappointing for fans. God, I hope not. And they're going That's to really scrap a Zelda movie for a long time. And then a big anniversary for it will come around and they'll be like, you know what? Now's the time. Let's make a big anime movie celebrating. Ten, we'll celebrate. 10 years from and now. And they'll be like, finally, the movie we wanted originally. And yeah. that's that's our life. Can oh, I... th- what happened <laughs> with the Super Mario movie? It'll take 30 years after this comes out. Go ahead, Brandon. Sorry. Can I, can I ask? There's been a lot of doom and gloom here, and you guys are familiar with Zelda, and so you rightfully should be, uh, should, should voice. I'm just curious, is there a world where... It is a colorful, vibrant live action film with a mute link, and it's good. There's, there's a is in, that in possible? The multiverse? In the multiverse, absolutely, there's a world. I, I, I am the most. I mean, in, like, in like, this world, in our world, no, I absolutely not. So. I don't yeah. think so. You know why? And I'll, I'll tell you why. The celebration of Rings of Power was a lot less than they Amazon hoped it would be. And that was colorful and bright fantasy. Yeah. Uh, and I think Hollywood still doesn't think that in live action works. Hmm. Um, and because of that, I think that pure aesthetic of what Zelda is, is at war with live action Hollywood as it is now. And there's just no climate right now where I see it doing what zelda should be speed racer i would love if i was wrong speed racers we we will never get another speed racer like a movie like that for as long as we live and that's something we need for something like zelda and we absolutely will not get that absolutely not for this for this joke i have to i have to i have to i have to remember something ben do you like speed racer it's been when i first saw it not really but it's been years i all right that's all i wanted to know well ben will be very happy then because it's not speed racer that's what I want. Yeah. I just need to remember that he didn't like it. Then we'll, 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 we'll watch Speed Racer one of these days, and you'll you're gonna love it because it's it's Probably. literally just a live action anime. Probably, yeah. And once again, when I first saw it, I was a kid, didn't know a whole lot, so yeah, that's fair. Uh, I hope for yeah. the best. Like I don't want. I nobody wants a Zelda movie to be bad. Just all all the ingredients that we have are like this. Sounds like a movie studio trying to make a video game. <laughs> 
and like they're already yeah. missing what makes that video game good by not even yeah. being animated in the first place. And I'll be yeah. and I'll be like using Mario the Mario movie as a comparison. Um, I think this will be very clear for you, Brandon, because you saw that movie. Um, it showed that Nintendo doesn't really know what to do in the movie space. So they don't know how to guide that ship to say like make this really work as a movie. You know, they don't have that kind of hand and control over it. So I don't think that's going to be any more true here with Zelda, that they're going to really right. be able to guide it to knowing like, this is a good uh, movie for this thing. They just look at it and go, looks like Mario. Sound like right. Mario. Kind of. Good. Yeah. Uh, looks like Zelda. Good. Like, and, and that's kind of their amount of how they're going to handle managing the film. And because of that, no, I have no anticipation that they're really going to do Zelda justice. Sure. Uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes looks awesome. We never got to talk about it because of the strikes, but it looks great. And I'm really excited for it. I'm very happy about that movie. What's our glorious day? Yeah, I saw the trailer in front of the Marvels and it looks great. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm pumped for that movie. Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, I know. God, I'm so excited for that movie. All right. Um... (laughs) Next, who <laughs> wants to bring up something? Next? Um, uh, uh, well, we have a lot of trailers, so I want to like we can lead into the trailer stuff, like, unless okay. we have anything else to talk about that aren't. I mean, it's okay <laughs> if we like break it up too. We're not, we're not format. No, it's true. Uh, so I'm in Spider Man Corner, so we're gonna talk about Spider Man for a little bit. I'm gonna end with Madam Web. Uh, I'm gonna start with that. I've read like 120 issues of Spider Man over the last three weeks. Um, I am so, I am so enraptured with Spider Man. It's not just because the game, I beat the game and uh, the story's fine. Uh, but I needed more, so I went back to what I consider my favorite run, but I haven't read in over a decade. So uh, from the year 2000 to the year 2007, James Michael Straczynski wrote Spider-Man. Really for a, lot, a lot of issues. Um, out of all the arcs he he wrote, there was only two bad arcs. One of them is not his fault because Joe Casada made him break up Mary Jane with the devil <laughs> because of the devil. One more day. It's awful. It's terrible. Uh, another one um, is where, oh, the Green Goblin had an affair with Gwen Stacy yes. and they had twins and the twins grew up because of the goblin formula like super fast and they tried to kill Peter Parker because like they think he's the dad and it's awful shit but besides that there's like seven years of the best Spider-Man the best modern Spider-Man besides Bendis which I don't because it's not 616 so I'm not going to count that because it's its own separate beautiful one timeline it's the best Spider-Man comic I think I think ever made um, it's not just the best Spider-Man because it's, it's Spider-Man dealing with New York City and dealing with uh, crime in a really interesting way that I don't see a lot of modern books do where Spider-Man puts a lot of criminals and a lot of poor people away. How does that affect the people in New York City? When you put some some like teenage gangbanger away, what does that do to his little sister who he now leaves on the street? Spider-Man now like it is very it is a very real book. It deals with real heavy topics. It is when Peter Parker becomes a teacher. This is like this is Guys, the regression of Spider-Man in both the MCU and in the comics is so insane. I can't believe it because Peter Parker is never more realized in this comic. He gets back with Mary Jane. Mary Jane is a fully fledged character where she still gets to be an actress and a model. And like they, they don't look down on her because like that's like, a, oh, a job that like that no one wants to write about. He makes it compelling and interesting. And the dynamic of what do you do when like she's accepted he's Spider-Man and he still Fs up all the time. She's like, no, this is the life that I chose. Like I, I am here beside you. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It introduces the spider totem stuff. And a lot of people are conflicted about this from 20 years on even today where Spider-Man is now part of a supernatural spider web universe, which turns into Spider-Verse. You know, now we've seen in the movies, like everything's connected. It's incredible stuff, man. It is a, it is a seven year journey of Peter Parker getting 
getting attacked by all these different villains and the person who's mentoring him turns out to be the one behind it all but then he ends up sacrificing himself because he's learned so much from peter parker it's beautiful it is like what i want spider-man to be yeah it's the, it's john Romita jr like at his best he's so good it's so incredible and I read all that, and then I read a bunch of Web stuff. And I, in the last couple of days, I've read a bunch more Web stuff for no real reason at all. Can you guess why? Uh, but like Craven is involved, and like the Lizard is involved, and all this stuff. Can I just comment on Straczynski Please stuff? Please do it. Um, uh, I haven't read it in a very long time, and I did not read the entire run. But Straczynski is like my home, my home of like main universe Spider-Man comics. Like yes. outside of like getting attached with the Ultimate Spider-Man verse, uh, Straczynski's run is where I gravitated towards like main universe Spider-Man. So uh, that that's very much like when I think of like main universe Spider-Man, that's what I think of. I think of Straczynski Spider-Man. And like people are, are indifferent on Civil War, but like the Spider-Man section of Civil War is awesome because he starts with Tony being pro-registration and he's, his identity is revealed to the world. So Kingpin puts a hit on him and his family and gets Aunt May shot. Uh, and that makes him lose his mind. And then he eventually goes anti-registration and he joins, you know, Steve Rogers. And it's like, it is such an incredible arc. It's the best Peter Parker has been in literally like, nothing is nothing is better in my opinion. Uh, but Madam Web is all involved in some of that stuff. So I read a bunch of Madam Web comics. Madam Web is really cool. There's a bunch of different Madam Webs. Well, there's only two, what am I talking about? But there's a bunch of different spider women, which brings me to Sony Pictures' Madam Web, a trailer mm. that is lighting the world on fire because somehow Palpatine returned when my mom was murdered in the rainforest researching <laughs> spiders when she died. Um, listen, y'all, I'm not going to say this is a great trailer. I'm not going to pretend, but I am really excited for it because... It's a really poorly edited trailer. I want to highlight yeah, that. It, it is a poorly in, in edited trailer. In particular, like, like, the cutting of it is Absolutely. really sloppy. And, like, this happens in, in trailers all the time, unfortunately, where, like, you know, uh, dialogue is cut up to create sentences and stuff. But, like, the thing I'm really excited about is this is basically Final Destination with a bunch of spider women. Um, it looks really... The thing that I'm excited about it is uh, it takes place in the early 2000s. Uh, so it looks like a 2000s movie on purpose, but it still it still doesn't look great. But like it, it's one fun excuse to give it. Oh, it's, it looks like an early 2000s movie. Uh, it features features Ezekiel Stain, who is like the main the main like guy brought into the J. Michael Straczynski run. But he's evil. So people are really confused. Uh, and I don't want to get into like the villain stuff in that run and blah, blah, blah. But like everything that this movie is giving me. It's incredibly exciting because it is branching the Spider-Man lore into such a big way that a lot of people just don't know about. When people think of Mad Web, they think of that old lady in the Spider-Man cartoon. And she's a lot more than that. Like, she's decades more than that. Um, and especially all of these Spider-Women who a lot of people don't even know exist. Uh, Julia Carpenter and Anya Cotazone and Maddie, Maddie Franklin. These are all really cool, important characters in the Spider-Man mythos that don't get explored a lot because they're women, let's be honest. Uh, and I'm really excited that this movie gets to exist. It is an entire female cast directed by a woman. Uh, I think it looks, I think it looks like an interesting time. Like I think this trailer, again, poorly edited, yes. uh, the content of it being a a final destination, I can I can see the future and I can like, you know, help help change mm. the battles is a far more interesting approach to a movie than just A to B to C, like a Venom movie or a Morbius. Uh, so I I'm not gonna say I have faith, but I'm but I'm gonna be there because you know I like to give movies like this a chance. Right. If if I may, Ryan, just yeah. real quick. I can see the future. Mm. Oh no okay. Mm. okay. So this was the one that I was actually interested in. Like genuinely, mm -hmm. I have zero interest in Morbius or Craven or whatever. I think Craven looks cool, but like Craven actually had an had a trailer that I thought was good. Um, but, I agree. I agree. Cool yeah. action trailer. Um, but the 
and I'm still I'm not disinterested in this film. My my disinterest in early 2000s superhero films is is there, and I don't give a shit about revisiting that era, even if it's meant to be done in the way. Um, but this trailer really hurt this movie's chances for me because I was like, sure. this is this is a bad trailer, um, sure. like one of the worst I've seen. And I was looking at this like. And I was like, oh, yeah, Mad Web's got a lot of things that I'm really excited about. Like, I really like the idea of doing these different uh, Spider-Men, Spider-Women and doing this like time travel thing. Like, yeah, I'm get weird. I want Sony to get weird. Yeah. But this trailer really hurt. <laughs> so, like, uh, I'm still I'm still kind of like, yeah, all right. Um, I'll, I'll probably see this one. But like this trailer really hurt its chances for me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, we have to just hold that thought for just a moment. Uh, ben, go ahead. Um Oh no, Ryan's. Oh, sorry. Damn it, right. I there you go. Danger, dangers. Howdy, everyone. Here and gone super quick. But my two cents of Zelda needs to go Bollywood. That's brilliant, actually. That's actually that's yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. It know, needs that energy. Give me, give me the triple R Zelda if it's going to be live action. Absolutely. That's the only way to you do know it. What? But guess what? Hollywood's not going to do. So go animation. Yeah. Okay, we're not going to reopen the Zelda bucket, but like, good lord. I'm very much uh, more leaning towards Brandon than you, Ryan, only because no, like, I, I, I also yeah. rubbed up against the trailer a lot. Yeah. Um, I am aware, just as I know you are, Ryan, of the Venom 3 leaks. And if that's in any way actually true, I'm going to be the day one, baby. Movie, I'm far more interested in what Sony's doing than I've ever been before. Because at, at least that is doing something weird and unique. This is the yeah. whole thing is like Carnage, Carnage got goofy and weird yeah. and like i don't mind having the kind of like doesn't take itself as seriously gonna do things that like the mcu and probably the dc films never will yeah um tell stories with characters that they'll they'll probably never touch even if they own them yeah um and and like this is an example of that and i've really tried to like not because I think it's a problem to be involving any spider characters or anything, but I've tried to remove it from like thinking about it too much as a Marvel thing at all. Yeah. And just like, does this look like an interesting thing to me just as a, as a story? Yeah. And the idea is there. I think that, I think there's a lot of potential to be had here. The trailer hasn't sold me on the idea, but I do feel like I am already just more interested in the concept of what this movie is than I was when we were just hearing about like castings and things. Yeah. And that's what I'll say about it is like this idea of the final web destination that's really working for me. Yeah. Uh, ben, do you watch this trailer? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Ben Parker <laughs> is in this movie. Young Ben Parker. Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Uh, yeah. uh, Emma Roberts. Really is... wet. Yeah, a wet Ben. Uh, uh, Emma Roberts is not on the trailer, but she's in this movie as well. She's May Parker, her his his sister. Um, like the 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 rumor is like that uh, our villain is trying to stop Spider Man from being born because Spider Man is like the chosen totem, the chosen spider, for, and he's like the savior of the Spider Universe, right? Like you know, and like in, in into the Spider Verse, like it's very like Spider Man is very important to the universe stuff, right? So like he's trying to stop Peter Parker from being born, which also shifts. Peter being born of Ben and May instead in this universe. Well, well, we, we yes, yes. It's a lot of weird shit is happening, but the fact that this is like, yo, I'm trying to stop the Spider-Man from being born idea is wicked. And again, no spoilers in case this is real, but Venom 3 ties into this in an incredibly weird way. Uh, and like, again, bad trailer. I am so excited See, for what that's like, the, thing. the if... outcome of this will be. <laughs> See that's the thing. If 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 the thing is 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 real. By the way, you said May is Ben's sister. I think you meant wife. Um, yes. Sorry. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. So like, I'm thinking like, 
if you want to get weird, yeah, I'm there. I don't give a shit because like I want weird. I want weird Spider-Man movies because like I, I don't want Sinister Six that has Michael Keaton, Morbius, and uh, uh, Craven. I don't know what would they we do. We got a Sinister Six movie. It's called No Way Home. Like, I don't want that. I don't. I don't. I don't care about that. Yeah. I want weird. And that if the leaks are true, if a lot of if a lot of what the speculation and the things are true about this film, uh, and this and, and the, what they're doing in this trailer, it, it can they can pull it off, and it's weird and interesting. I'm there, man. I'm you've sold me because like, I, my biggest problem with Venom, the first Venom, and I did not see Morbius, so I'm only saying what I, what I was disinterested in through the trailer and what I had heard. So I'm not putting judgment on the film itself is yeah. that I don't want to see just a boring ass mid 2000s superhero film. I saw a bunch of those. I'm good. Absolutely. I want to see something weird and goofy and interesting. And that's why I like to let there be carnage. And that's why I'm interested yes. in Madam Web. That Yes. And that's why, again, bringing it back to the Zelda conversation real quick, Sony's making Zelda. All of these Sony Spider-Man movies are kind of bland looking. Even yeah. the one like even let to be carnage, which I like, is is very is very like you know muted. So like, that's just their aesthetic, and like it's not an aesthetic I like. <laughs> I I won't one hundred percent agree with that because at the same time we have things like Jumanji, which talk- I don't think sure is, no, but that's sure. Sony, but that's Sony. Yeah. And I'm saying like West I'm Ball about all the Spider Man stuff that we yeah, yeah 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 West Ball isn't yeah. trapped into that yeah. So in terms of the Zelda thing, like but I hear you sure I hear you um and like yeah there there are some aesthetic things about this that I'm visually this doesn't the the biggest ding i think on this is i think even if it was a well-cut trailer i don't know that it's visually a really engaging looking movie um no. it, it's it's very like basic i think my man had a psp and i'm like i look at that man what was what's the psp commercial like about nuts do you remember the nuts commercial does anyone remember the yeah, commercial uh-huh. always yeah, it's oh, a nut. Don't. You can play outside. It's a nut. You can play outside. Oh, uh, marketing! I love the mid two thousands, baby. Uh, yeah, like I, I think of all the trailers we've gotten, like you know, Morbius, which is not a great movie. Uh, I like that Craven trailer, just being a cool action trailer. Like, this is not a good trailer, but the contents of it, I think some of the action looks good. I personally, I like the Spider Man suit, the dark, the dark evil Spider Man. Yeah, I think it looks cool. Yeah, and the fact that again, like. Ezekiel Stane, who is like the guy in this, and the dude in the suit and wearing no shoes, that's his look in the comics. That is a character I never in my life expected to be in live action. Sure. Ever. Because that's dealing with, again, supernatural Spider-Man nonsense. And the fact that we are going there, and we aren't just going there in a movie, we're going there with our Spider-Man, potentially, is like, is really exciting. Like, do I wish the movie looked better? Yes. But like, the fact that we're here at all, it's one of those things where like, I never thought I'd see the Avengers. Like, I never thought I'd see like one of the spider totem people. Like, it's stupid as shit. I can't thing, believe it. The thing that I wish the trailer did more of was because we get glimpses of the other spider women's suits. And I wish the trailer had more of those because those things were really cool looking. Yeah. Um, Just like briefly, we just saw them. And I'm like, I want... Give me a clear picture of that. Send, show, sell me on these spider women teaming up. Like that's the that's the one I, that's the thing that I want you to show me. I worry that the reason we're not seeing it as much is because they're not going to be that much in the movie. So, if yeah. you, if you, like in the suits. In the yeah, suits. yeah. So people are speculating that if you look at that footage, it feels kind of like a dream sequence kind of thing. Like she's seeing yeah. the future. Like she's seeing the future yeah. of them. So like, yeah. I think they will be in the movie, but it will. This is definitely more of an origin story for all these characters. So like, I imagine a final battle they'll be in their suits but like yeah i don't think it's going to be heavily spider people credit credit work i thought i had the same i had the same speculation also 
credit where credit's due on this trailer, I I really do appreciate even as badly as it is that it isn't trying to like hammer home too much of the like we're tied to like all the other stuff kind of things by like you know like the way the Morbius trailer was like that thing that happened in San Francisco and blah, 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 blah. yeah yeah um and like really make you think about that like in a trailer uh and it didn't even like say Ben Parker's name yeah to like really I think draw a lot of attention they're trying to, to keep that like a secret like I think it's gonna be like a big reveal or something well, like because it's not oh, this is it's ben. not ben. confirmed by Sony that it's Ben Parker it's been revealed through a leak yes 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 yeah. I think it's gonna be like a like a who are you I'm Ben Ben Parker. Can I, like, <laughs> can I ask you a question for the people who saw Morbius, which I think is just Ryan and Ben? Yeah, I watched it on Twitter. Um, uh, is the line uh, Morbius like, we are Venom? Just kidding. I'm Dr. Michael Morbius. Is that in the movie? Yeah. God. It's, it's, I it's, really it's, God. it's edited differently, <laughs> but he does say we are Venom. Uh, he I don't he doesn't say I'm Michael I'm Dr. Michael Morbius nice to meet you he doesn't say that that's that was a trailer edit um that's but he nice. does say we are Venom I'm just kidding man that's me Dr. Michael Morbius yeah that that like <laughs> half of the shitty line was removed but it still got that first shitty part that's funny all right anyway um you got one about more Spider-Man Spider-Man news oh. yes uh I'm not gonna talk about Ultimate Comics because it's it's actually it's just that Green Goblin's gonna be in the comic it's not really like anything to talk about but he looks like a cool like a cool outfit um a new Spider-Man comic was announced Spectacular Spider-Man by the great Greg Wiseman uh who has worked on all of our favorite animated shows and he's done a lot of great work in comics uh not so much mainline stuff because he's kind of been relegated to like you know I'm doing the Gargoyles book or I'm doing a side Spider-Man book this is going to be a Miles Morales Peter Parker team up ongoing with Umberto Ramos on art who is one of the premier Spider-Man artists of our time uh and it's an ongoing it's not a miniseries unless nobody buys it uh but it's Spider-Man so it'll probably go on forever uh yeah. this is incredibly exciting because one Greg Wiseman is someone who like I'm not I'm not gonna, like I haven't read his gargoyles or like any of the smaller stuff but like he's a dude who's worked really hard for his entire career and like for him to be getting a mainline Spider-Man book is really cool and giving him a chance I've watched all of Spectacular Spider-Man in the last two weeks as well I forgot to mention that so like and he worked on that directly and wrote and directed those, some of those stuff so like which is the best Spider-Man card which is the best Spider-Man holy shit that is literally like the MCU like we're building up all our villains over like that's the best that's so good I forgot how good it is uh this this is Convince so exciting me tombstone was an incredible villain yeah uh uh yeah uh uh spectacular spider-man is incredible spectacular spider-men is a really cool announcement uh again if this were a six issue miniseries i'd probably be less hot on it i'd read it but like yo they're putting faith into this this is a book that should have been around forever this should have like 100 issues by now it doesn't have to be the end of the world spider-verse every event like every arc but like just two spider-men dealing with being homies and like the one thing i will say is like it's being framed as like, oh, he's like the protege of Peter Parker and he's like learning. I'm like, Miles Miles doesn't need to be learning anymore. He's just fully fledged on Spider-Man at this point. But this is people going off the games and the, the, the Spider-Verse movies. So like, it feels like it's going to be kind of like in continuity but kind of out of continuity kind of thing well it sounds like they're it sounds like they're just marketing towards the people who are like, hey, you played the game, you watched Into the Spider-Verse and Across Spider-Verse, here's a book for you. Absolutely. And that's totally fine. Uh, you know, like we have, if you want to read the actual like Miles, who's progressed as the character, that book exists. It's, yeah. it's, it's Miles Morales and Spider-Man. Think, and I think there's room for that being the starting point of like Peter feeling like he should be teaching Miles more. Yeah. And Miles being like, I have learned some things, but Miles also understanding like, I haven't encountered some of these things though. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, I think there can be like a give and take about like, it, it, I do think it's a story that like hasn't been explored at all about what is it like for peter to play a proper mentor to yes. two miles and 
how does he succeed at that, but how does he fail also? I'm trying to see. They announced who the first villain is, and unfortunately, it is just like, oh, it's just it's a Spider-Man villain for the first arc. But again, that's fine for the first arc. You know, just get them, get the core book established, what the feel and tone is. But uh, Spider-Man, uh, uh, you know, not everyone's loving ASM, Amazing Spider-Man. I, besides the Kamala stuff, I'm kind of a fan of that book. I actually just caught up on Marvel Unlimited. What it what it has. Um, did it, get, did it get better again after? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, once once you leave the show, so it's just like a bad hiccup. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I know people are really shitty on the book, but like if you can get over the fact that, that Peter Parker has regressed 20 years, it's a really fun book. Again, Zeb Wells is a really great creator. Uh, the latest arc is Tombstone's daughters getting married to Robbie Robertson's son, and Tombstone is making all of the villains go to the wedding. So it's just a bunch of villains at a wedding, like really uncomfortable. Like, I just want to like rob all these people. <laughs> it's really fun. It's really great. Uh, Madame Mask is there, an Iron Man villain who I really like. So like, uh, not Spider-Man is not in the great place, greatest place in the comics, but this book and Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, which is coming out next year, these are both coming out next year, uh, seem like a really great, Spider-Man's going to be in a really good spot in a couple months. So I'm excited. You Spider-Man, talked out. about, um, because you talked about Greg Weissman and you, and you said he's been writing Gargoyles comics. He's been writing great Gargoyles comics, I have to say. Um, I believe it. They are, they are actually like, uh, I'm not saying that they're as good as the show because the show is a combination of a, a various of various writers with voice actors and animations and blah blah, blah and it's a, just kind of like a perfect uh, cre- a creation. But like uh, the 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 comic has been a a wonderful surprise and worthy successor to the show. Um, Love it. Since we're in Spider-Man stuff, Ben, why don't you uh, tell us about finishing Miles Morales? Oh yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so. I don't really have a whole lot to say about Miles Morales other than it was it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I liked the story and I it was that it was that great Spider-Man gameplay that made me fall in love with the first game. Yeah. It was definitely the game. It was definitely a game that I am now really glad I played and finished cuz when I do eventually get Spider-Man 2, I'm probably it's going to be like uh, watching all Rebels before I went and saw I started watching Ahsoka. I think even more I think even more crucial to be honest with you. Yeah, cuz like all of the side characters in that game are fully featured in this game. So like, mm-hmm. like you can obviously jump on and like, I don't know, like a jumping on point, you'd be fine. But like to have a base of who those characters are and where their relationship started is really important. Yeah. Um, it was fun. It was just fun. Also, I liked how it wasn't too long. Like you guys said, it was like a good 10, maybe 13 hour story or play, or runtime. A lot of stuff to do because there are times it was just like the first time I played Spider-Man. I'm swinging through New York on my way to objective and then crime in progress is like, I got to go stop crime because I'm Spider-Man and I just and swing honest, the other way. And to be honest with you, like I haven't played Spider-Man 2 yet. Um, I know Ryan's the only one who's finished it, um, but I believe him when he says that of the three, Miles Morales has the best story. And I'm a, kind of, it, it's it's Miles, Miles Morales is, I think, a really special thing where I'm kind of on board with like AAA gameplay for a tighter story rather than like running for that raw, long runtime. Like give me yeah. a nice 10 to 15 hour game that tells me a great story. That's and why I'm really on board with yeah, it. That's why I'm excited for oh. Wolverine. Cause like Wolverine is not going to be a giant open world game. It's going to be a little more narratively focused. Oh yeah. And actually I have, I agree with Sparks because the whole time I was playing Spider-Man, I wanted to play Spider-Man cause I wanted to do the story. I didn't cause when I was playing the original Spider-Man, the, the original PS4 Spider-Man, I, was definitely doing a lot of side quest stuff. And then I was, I got all the side quest stuff. And then when I did, went to do story stuff, and this one, I was like, do I really want to try? Can I, do I really want to see how good of a gamer I am and start doing the main story stuff and not do the side quest so I could do, get some upgrades or whatever. 
And part of me was just like, no, I want to, I want to see how the story ends. It wasn't a, oh God, I need to finish this. It was, I want to know how this ends. I want to see the ending. And then it's like, oh, that's, it was a great ending. It was fun. I had a blast. I, I think the, the tinkerer uh, uh, is, is a really, really great villain and a really great personal villain. Yeah. I oh, thought yeah. that worked really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I really was pleased with how that came out. I'm really glad that you got all the way through Ben and, uh enjoyed it so much i thought the tink the tinker was a great personal villain um uh aaron did his brother his uncle uncle aaron as a prowler i remember like you should definitely if you're interested ben let like you have to go listen to us but you should listen to when we did the pause menu discussion about it because um we definitely had like i remember there's like something missing in that dynamic uh that i highlighted i think we all highlighted as like was i on that one yes um i think so uh and it about aaron and miles relationship not quite playing up to the way that it should have um anyway check it out i actually because because time is a lake uh, i beat a spider-man game as well uh uh it was called spider-man edge of time and val kilmer is a spider-man in that in that in that game <laughs> i saw you tweet and i will and i'm gonna say it every single week y'all nobody knows that val kilmer is spider-man uh, he's the only person who played uh, spider-man and batman i love when you say it like that because it makes me think like Val Kilmer in real life is actually Spider-Man. <laughs> hey, voice like, acting nobody, counts. Nobody knows that Val Kilmer. No, I mean like he's no, no. literally. Yeah, he's like, like it's me. I'm nobody, in the suit. <laughs> nobody knows that Val Kilmer is Spider-Man. Yeah, he plays an evil Peter Parker uh, who like creates Alchemex, and it's like you know like a cool time travel like like uh, Ouroboros thing. Uh, but his final battle, like he's in a giant mechanical spider suit, and I'm like, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, I'll take the baton for a moment. I think because we're so close in Spider-Man stuff, I want to talk uh, uh, just a little bit about. Some Marvel stuff. Um, the MCU release date's getting shifted around um, mm. that we know about. Uh, mm. So I'll I got it right here. So let's let's just do a quick refresh. So what's going on now? Movies is that. Uh, uh, let's just focus on the movies. Deadpool is our only MCU movie. Uh, Deadpool three, July next year, and then after that, it's Captain America in twenty twenty five in February. Fantastic Four May. 2025 thunderbolts july 2025 and blade november 2025 um and uh those are the dates that we found out about and then like the only disney plus show we know for a fact comes out next year is agatha aside from echo 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 coming out in january which was originally like tighter to the end of this year now it's january we got you know that but um outside of that agatha we know for sure but like Ironheart's still tbd daredevil's definitely been pushed back we really don't know what else we're, we're getting wonder man is being is, is in pre-pro with destin daniel Cretton. wonder man which they still haven't officially confirmed which they haven't announced but but he said he's working on it no, he's leaving the king dynasty just announce that show what are you guys doing yeah, yeah it's um, so weird you have the entire cast and i and i i saw this and like I'm all for the reshoots. We know there's reshoots happening for Captain America 4, and I, I don't think there's a problem with that. Like, there's no yeah, problem. That. Like, like, make the movie better. My, my main question, and it really does come down to Captain America 4, I think. Um, do you guys think this has pushed things too far back? No. And, and I'll put it this way. Mm. Captain America 4 is the one that we're, that concerns me, because I think what's happened now, just currently, it doesn't really matter. Like, people will change their minds about the MCU as, as things come and go. But I do worry uh, about public goodwill in the sense that I think right now everyone's acknowledging the MCU is at a pivot point, but because they're about to have nearly a year gap at the cinema outside of Deadpool three, which is like kind of its own thing. That movie will make a billion dollars to the MCU. And it's going to, it's a safe bet anyway. Yeah. 
um, that everyone's going to give like benefit of the doubt. I don't think Captain America 4, even with the reshoots, is necessarily benefiting from the changes in mind and perspective that they've had. Now, that's not me saying that it's a bad movie on Arrival, but if it is still suffering from the same problems, I think people will be at the point where they're going in 2025, anticipating this is the MCU trying to, making the changes, trying to strive better, pivoting from all the things that we, the Variety article and a whole bunch of other things have made the public now think about the MCU. Uh, and I wonder how that's going to play out in the terms of the public sphere and their reaction to it, if it feels like more of the same and not the change uh, point for the MCU, because it is such a delay. My thinking is this. I don't, you know, I don't, I really don't, I really don't know how to answer this question, but my, my, I think three, I think four movies in 2025 is too much. I think one of those movies needs to move. Um, come back after the year hiatus with three. And I think you got a pretty solid year. I hope I think, for I some, think, for three solid movies. I think like, honestly, like Captain America can't be that far behind. I would bump it up to December. Honestly. Sure. Like December, December blockbuster movies do well and they don't have a lot of competition in December. Well, it Avatar, depends if, it, if there's an Avatar movie that year. It's not 2024. Wait, is Avatar 2024 now? The only the only competition it would have if it bumped up to December currently, although it still could get pushed back, would be Sonic the Hedgehog three. Hmm. Not let's do it. That's yeah. But but I'm I'm just saying like I just I I agree with you, Brandon. Like I do think four MCU movies, um, especially if Captain America doesn't hit because it's the first one coming out, I do feel like that's that's maybe overloading, uh, even with the year gap. Um, mm -hmm. obviously, like they're they're trying to work on the production schedules and things, and like they are doing reshoots for four. But I'm just like, I don't think there's any world where four couldn't come out just in next year, just to give a little bit more spaced out and give this sense of like, I'll tell you what, not such a huge gap. Like, yeah. uh, Doom just got pushed up a couple months. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like I now that the strike is over, I don't see Disney moving anything forward. Uh, but like, it's not a, like. I think they could, yeah. Like, if you're able to get those reshoots done, like, 2025 is a long time. That's really far. Like, like it's like the movie's gonna come on like a year and like what, like five months. Like, that movie will be done before then. Um, I they could push it, and I think that would be a good idea. I don't think they will. Um, I think a movie like Captain America Four, where you have Harrison Ford being a Hulk man, and you have Captain uh, Captain America Falcon, who people like, yeah. people who like Anthony Mackie. Right. I think, regardless, like the movie could be bad, but just on that premise alone, I think people are will see that movie. Like people like Captain America, I think that movie will do well. Thunderbolts, I I don't know if people care about Thunderbolts. I don't know if people care about what was the, what are, what are the other ones? Uh, Fantastic Four. People care about that show. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Blade. Blade. I don't. They can't figure out a way to have a, have fight vampires for some reason. The easiest movie ever made. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if that movie gets pushed another five months. So like, the, yeah, I'm just I was just curious to kind of gauge where how you guys were feeling about because. I don't think it's an us problem. Like we're, we, we understand and we, we give a lot more grace because of our familiarity and how we keep up with this stuff from a purely like thinking about the average consumer, the average consumer who's had like bad faith stuff about the MCU thrown down their gullet this year. If I'm that person and I see a basic year gap at the, at the cinema, aside from Deadpool three, which as an average person probably wouldn't even consider a true MCU film until I see it. Yeah. I don't I would probably be anticipating something fresh and new when it comes back to the cinema in such a big way with Captain America 4 and I'm not convinced Captain America 4 will be that fresh and new that audiences will want. I 
it's hard to tell what the general audience like like wants or anticipates because like like again like normies are like oh i didn't even know there's a new captain america i didn't watch that show or whatever like i think i think general audiences like if 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 they if the general audience is feeling superhero fatigue or whatever they want to call it then a year gap will be helpful in my opinion and coming back with i think which that show didn't do well people don't like the show not everyone watched that show you come in with a new Captain America and Harrison Ford, who everybody loves. Mm-hmm. I think that being your jumping on point, like, yo, this is a new world. What's it's, I don't think it's called New World Order anymore because that's that's like racist. Brave, Brave New World, Brave New World, or whatever. Yeah, uh, I think that is a. If anything, you need to if you could flip Fantastic Four and have that be your first one because that is like the really the tr- like actually brand spanking new because Thunderbolts is like re reestablishing characters and we've seen Blade before, uh, so like, I think a new Fantastic Four. I can't say Blade. We've seen Blade. We've heard his voice in the Eternals, which I don't think counts. I think if you started with Fantastic Four in that year, that would be like, wow, the MCU is, is quote unquote back. Look at these brand new characters. Wow, it's Pedro. Amazing. Um, I have a little more faith in Captain America 4 for the general audience because, again, like people love Harrison Ford. Uh, and I think people like Captain America as an idea and as like a character, even if it's a new person. Um, so I have a little more faith that the year gap will be really helpful than, than a hindrance. Possibly, I think it. But that, I think it's impossible to tell. I think, I think, I think. I just wonder, like, from a strategizing perspective of what they're doing, and like knowing where the audience feedback has been about quality. Yeah. Uh, Captain America four has me nervous because of because we still have the writer from Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes. And and that show didn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's that's where I'm like I because it's so they've been on that movie for a while. Uh. I don't have faith that that movie has had the kind of like, we need to think about things this way yeah. through its process. Cause it's already done filming. So that story is what it is. Right. And so uh, that's where I'm like, it's again, it's not going to like derail the MCU or, or be a huge downfall. I just, I question the decision specifically Captain America for to push it back that far, because I think it's kind of, if you're going to have that big of a gap, it is kind of like a separated mind thing of like, now we're kind of coming back with something big. And I don't think Captain America 4 is going to feel like that, that big hit. We have to come back. We to have it. to wait to like, to hear what the official actual story of that movie is. Too. Yeah. Cause it could be, cause like, again, rumors and rumors, but like that is the movie finally dealing with the guy in the ocean. If the rumors are true, that's mm-hmm. like, that's like he's made of adamantium. So it's, it's an arms race to get that material. Right um and bringing the governments involved in captain america so like if all that's true that is i think a big enough joust sure. for for the general audience but uh we'd have to wait for for an official story synopsis. i think and- i think the thing is like it's so difficult at this point to see what the what, what the general audience is going to be interested in i genuinely did not think that the marvels was going to bomb I didn't, I didn't think either. it was going to do I didn't think it was going to do well. I didn't think it was going to bomb though. It's worse right. than Flash and that breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, me too. So like I don't I it I honestly can't take a temperature of what the general audience is is interested think, in right now. And Guardians did really well and people really like Loki. So like it again it's like I think it, it's Forbes, so weird. I think the Forbes write up about um about the MCU that they did kind of in response to the variety article and said, like, let's take a real temperature check on how the MCU is doing because it's not as dire as variety wants you to think, yeah. which is true. And it looks at it from a money perspective. And I think it's very accurate of like, even, even with the Marvel's bombing, um, they were, as someone pointed out, they're like, yeah, the Marvel's uh, is going to make less money in a still $1 billion franchise. If you just look at Captain Marvel. Absolutely. Um, and like, it, it, I, I understand how like those things kind of, 
wash away and they're not as as dire as people want to blow them up to be. Um, and I think that's a very good write-up about like what that is. And it, I I do feel like we all agree like superhero fatigue is not a real thing. Um, it's it's sensationalized for clicks. But uh, what I do think is there is just a um, a, a a thirst for the for the quality to to rise. Uh, yeah. And um, I think part of that superhero fatigue narrative is detrimental to how general audiences will feel come 2025 because we also only have one Warner Brothers movie uh, next year, which is the Joker sequel. That's it. Um, and, then 20, and then in 2025, we ramp up the DC stuff as well. Yep. So it's four MCU movies, whatever amount of Disney Plus shows they're going to throw at us. Yep. And those DC projects. Superman. So like it's gonna it's gonna hit a big thing at that point. Uh so I'm really I it's just a it's just a weird moment to be in, I think. Um, the the thing for I the don't trajectory of these movies. Yeah. yeah. The thing that I don't want to see though is come 2025 with Marvel and DC is for someone who's just looking at spreadsheets to do the same thing that happened the year after COVID started when we had WandaVision, Black Widow, Falcon Witch Soldier, blah, 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 blah. All these projects in a year really was detrimental to audience to audiences. It was detrimental to me. And I like and I like doing this. So like I don't want to see the same thing happen in 2025 with all these pushbacks and all these things being like, okay, we gotta hit, we gotta hit subscriber growth, we gotta hit monthly quotas, we gotta hit quarterly quotas. Let's let's get let's front load everything, let's get it all out. I want that I want someone who would actually know who I want Marvel to be conscious of this and be like, okay, let's actually make this manageable. Let's move things around to make this so it's we're not front loading, we're not overloading people. We're giving them something that they are excited about in a good amount of time. Yeah. I I I'm fine with with four movies a year. Uh but but I do think I do think you probably should spread them out a little bit more. Uh, but it does give me some faith that all of these movies got pushed. So all of them are hopefully going to be worked on because like, we know that they're trying to like, they're doing more quality check now than, than before. This is why I say Captain America four is the one that makes me nervous. And that I feel like should be pulled back. Yeah. It's because that story was done in this, like kind of before where we're uh, acknowledging quality needs to be managed better yeah, yeah. Um, phase. And that's why I'm like, no, I would. I, that's the only to, one that's actually would, been shot. Right. And I would kind of try to pull Captain America 4 back from the brink of like being considered on the same level as those other problems. I'll tell you what, if if that movie gets edited to shit like the Marvels did, but the Marvels turns out to be a good movie, then that's fine. Like if yeah. you have to cut some of the stuff that doesn't work to make a more streamlined movie, that's honestly probably for the yeah. best. Don't, don't, you know, not every movie needs to be a two and a half hour epic. Right. Like even though it is a, a Captain America movie, like it can't just be, oh, I'm fighting Harrison Ford. He's big and red. Um, uh, we still have a lot of trailers and stuff to get to. Yeah. So I only have one other thing I want to touch on with this, which is um, right now it's those four movies. And then the year after, the only other thing that, that has a set MCU film date is Kang Dynasty in 2026. Nope. And then the following year, Secret Wars. And like, I think we all got to acknowledge that nope. we, knew, we know for a fact those cannot possibly stay. Um, but But what I wanted to interject here is I do think like we've hit a point now where... Um, now it feels like it's been too long since we saw someone like Shang-Chi. Now it feels like it's been too long since we saw some of the new heroes that have been given to us in this new phase. I think they uh, know that too. And, That's I think, why. and I think Kang Dynasty can't be the first time we see those characters again now. We're too, we're too deep in a sense. 
and this is me getting back on the agenda of like we need that smaller level Avengers film Word. to fill the Kang Dynasty space now and push Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars back. Unless you're going to make Kang Dynasty that smaller level Avengers film, which I know sounds weird, but but no, you, you can do it. But if you made like that focus of a smaller like Ultron esque. King it's his initial up, invasion of Earth, and he doesn't. He underestimates the heroes. To wrap up the yeah. Kang stuff, and then Secret Wars becomes a two-parter that you push further back. Yeah, which makes more sense to me personally. Shang Chi Two is is happening mm. now. Like 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 whether but has no set date. But has no set date. But like if Simu lose on Twitter saying I'm back, baby, then yes. like then um then the movie will eventually come out. It, it will. It I it shouldn't take five years for all these characters to get sequels. But like that is just the nature of of of, of this, you know. I don't want to see Doctor Strange three in twenty forty five. You weren't part of uh, the conversation that uh, we had for the Marvels review. Um, but one of the things we talked about is that I think the MCU at this point needs to start having more. Not every project, but more. Um, we're going to bring characters together so we get more appearances of them more rapidly. A Marvel situation where we're telling stories like that. And I'm like, put put Simulu and Doctor Strange in a movie together and have them do a story that works for. There's both no of them reason something like that. Uh, uh, Captain America, Sam Wilson can't show up in Shang Chi for a fight, and you're like, hey, I yeah, heard yeah. you need help. Like that's what comics do all the effing time, all the time. It's what comics are are, are the bread and butter of comic books is hanging out it, with your homies. It's so weird to be here after you know you we, if you guys remember our initial talk about when they first announced the long phase uh the phase five and six plans the, the all that thing at comic-con and i yeah just remember thinking to myself even then that like it was you're you've done something wrong these phases are not well structured they're they don't they're it's too the the gaps were too short we next year we would have had Kang Dynasty pretty much. That's, inc um, that's incredibly like, crazy. I knew that was a mistake. Oh yeah, like, we were gonna have Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, and like I knew that was a mistake. And I was like, "You've done, you've done too many projects, and you don't. Where are the like? I remember thinking, where is Shang Chi two? Where are the sequels? Where are the season twos? What are we doing here? I the fa the phase four, five, and six, in my opinion, were so badly structured, and I even knew it then." That I'm really hoping that I, I don't care if the phases are in flux right now. I don't care what's in flux right now. I want I want to see the mistakes rectified. I want to see that smaller level Avengers film. I want to see those sequels appear. I want to see things pop up on the schedule that we that weren't supposed to be there. It's it's slowly starting to feel like that. Yeah. Even though that, again, like four movies, four movies in 2025, like might be a lot, but like that does feel like, yo, we're not going to really like if they're not ready, then then we're not going to release it because we don't secret secret invasion really was, I think, the the linchpin for this. Like, yo, this is critically bad. Uh, nobody wants to watch it. No, it's one of the lo lowest viewed shows of our it, of our run. As we've said before, it's a very big ship. It takes a lot to turn it. Yeah. Um, and it takes a lot of time to react. So so we're still in that. And like they were reacting to things even before Secret Invasion clearly went off the rails. So we're still going to be seeing delayed reaction even to that in the product that we get. Word. But um, I think something that really stands out to me about that and and like the lineup is that like King Dynasty can't possibly be what it is be unless it's going to be that smaller level thing. But it can't be the big thing that they were saying it was originally if that is to be the Avengers film there. Because I think we truly, this is the, the, the other key point. Whatever they're going to do for their big Secret Wars buildup, probably a two-part thing, like as we suspected, King Dynasty was kind of the lead-in for it. Um, that cannot be the first time a bunch of these characters meet each other. Hmm. It just can't. Like, Shang-Chi can't work with Shuri as the Black Panther and Sam Wilson as Captain America, along with some of the young Avengers showing up and She-Hulk for the first time. 
It just it just can't be the first time that all of those it's people. It's not. We have that carnival cruise. No, that doesn't. That's not real. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, it can't. It can't be the first time that these characters all are side by side with each other. You need the like coming together. This is this is how we structure have a team that establishes that dynamic and then take them into the big, the big event film. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Enough about that. Ben. Oh wait. wait sorry, I wanna, Ben. I want to hear what you have to say. He has many thoughts. Go 10 minutes on this, Ben. On the clock. I was going to say, let's talk about Castlevania for a second. Uh, well, no, I, yeah. I've been wanting to say something in the Marvel space for like ever. <laughs> okay. I've been trying to get this out there. Uh, if if that's okay, unless you guys really want to talk about Castlevania Nocturne, uh, then I, I can... No, I, just, I, I actually wanted to hear what Ben had to say. <laughs> oh, so Ryan said Castlevania Nocturne. So if Ben has something to say about the, about the MCU thing, then go ahead. Not a whole lot, to be honest. I, All right. I am. My thoughts on like the MCU shakeup, the new or the air quotes shakeup, the the tra- or not the trailers, the the new schedule. I am just, I just, I'm just gonna wait and see. I am, um, as as fun as speculation is. I know we say we quote Ken Napsok on speculate responsibly. At this point, I there's just too many variables. There's too many things can go up sideways it could go right it could go wrong i am just like okay they have a air quotes plan we all know plans change we all know plans can shift because of outside uh forces and outside um coincidence or um influences i'm just like you know what if they did do it they do it i am just like i really don't have a whole lot because i'm just gonna wait and see i'm just gonna bide my time and then when something comes up or something is shown then I'll probably have something to say. But other than that, I'm just like, you do what you do. You do you, boo-boo. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I want no, you to bring... About what? Oh, I thought you wanted to say something about Marvel. You've been trying to get it out. Yeah, it was just, I was saying that. Okay, okay. sir. Good. Um, I mean, now I don't really want to. <laughs> um, uh, the... Um... Oh, Jesus, sorry, I'm, I got a little flustered about 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 that. Um, okay, so there is so there was announced this was a Marvel comic. I wanted to bring it up before we got into the MCU section of, of this because I, it's a Marvel comic, not a not not anything to do with the MCU. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up, and I know I know Sparks is excited about this as well. That Marvel is publishing finally for the first time ever, not ever, well, yeah, ever in color, um, the original Godzilla uh, comics. Oh yeah! Uh, this year. So uh, the Godzilla of the original Marvel years is going to come out next year in October. Um, so pretty far away. It's but it's a year away. Um, they they kind of had this announcement ready for a little uh, ready for Godzilla Day, but a little late. Um, this was originally written by Doug. Uh, I think it's Mench M O E N C H, and her uh, Tramps Trimps um godzilla run so if you guys remember this is the original marvel run where he was fighting shield and the avengers and all sorts of he has a hat and a trench coat type of thing it's crazy stuff there was an essential book that was released years and years and years ago that publishes this comic in black and white um which i have it's it's all right but you know you kind of lose the you don't have the colors and it's kind of sucks but now for the first time um they're going to release it um and i am very very sorry whoops there we go i forgot different 
Look at that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. A little blurry, but kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, yeah I've seen it. Um, this is the new cover. There's going to be two covers by the original artist. Um, I'm oh, yeah. really stoked about this. Finally getting to finally getting to own a uh, colorized version of this book, and it's so cool because for a while um, Marvel wasn't able to publish these because IDW owns the li license for Godzilla, um, and so right. IDW can't publish this book because of all the Marvel characters that populate it. But now, um, either either next year, the rights for, for Godzilla are leaving IDW, which is entirely possible because they've been losing a lot of their IP rights lately, or a deal has been struck, which seems far more likely. Um, uh, and it's very, very cool. I'm so, I'm like so jazzed about it. Like I, I'm so excited about finally getting to this, finally getting to see this book in color. Absolutely. It's really cool that we've had, you know, we have a lot of modern day uh, Godzilla comics. But we don't have any Godzilla comics where he's in a trench coat and hanging out with Nick Fury. So uh, I am all about bringing back silly old school Godzilla. Um, on Marvel Unlimited, they don't have the Godzilla comics, but they have something called the Marvel Age, which is basically like a Marvel magazine that came out every month. And it talks about, hey, here's what's... It's kind of like solicits with the interviews. It's kind of like a cool, you know, like like weird solicits uh, book. But um, there's like the Muppets on the covers and there's like Conan the Barbarian and Transformers and Star Wars and Godzilla. And like, man, Marvel had everything back then. And in like 30 years later, 20 years later, they're slowly getting it all back again. Uh, not Transformers, because that's what Skybound. Uh, but uh, this is really cool. I love when Rom the Space Knight just got back at Marvel after like 30 years. So like, it's really cool that like all these old books uh, can be seen again, can be read again. Because uh, again, all comics should be available to everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And also for a while, because, you know, Godzilla, Marvel, you know, rights and licensing can, you know, that could be a hell in and of itself to go through. But the fact that they are putting those original books out and in color, because like Brandon, uh, for a while, um, when Archie still had the rights, they would also put, print out uh, Sonic the Hedgehog books in like these really big, thick volumes. But it's all in black and white. Yeah. And not not and I don't I don't hate black and white books. Obviously, I love manga and when there are times when a book is released in black and white, it can, you know, really give the extra oomph that the art is trying to do. But with stuff like Godzilla, Sonic or a few other things, it's like kind of takes away the I don't want I don't know. I don't know if gravitas is the right word, but it's just not as fun. It's, it's it's like like it's like i have some like i have some like the like like brandon has right there like an like a like an essential book and it is it yeah. is a cheap it is a cheap way to get a lot of comics in black and yeah. white and like and like there's nothing wrong with that you know it's just a different mm -hmm. type of, of of enjoying the art you know right, if you can't right. spend 40 bucks on the hardcover you can get this for cheaper and you get more of it so like it's yeah. just a, it's just especially especially these older comics the line work wasn't as complicated as it, as it became in later years so it's very easy to translate to black and white and you don't really lose anything except for the vibrant colors absolutely right. yeah but the colors um, oh yeah here's so the one fun. where he's here's the here's the issue you can't really see it because he's shrunk down godzilla <laughs> shrunk down in the streets of new york he's like uh like who's it Raphael in our trench coat absolutely oh my god i'm so you can't see I'm my so big so snout with this hat on <laughs> Oh, I'm man. I'm I'm really excited to finally get to see this book in 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 color, and I just think that's that's so cool that it's it, it just like a a piece of Godzilla history is finally going to be released to us. Oh, Absolutely, yeah. hell yeah, hundred percent. All right, but that's all I wanted to say. I think that's I think that everything every, all Marvel is done now. Well, we have a couple trailers. Okay, um, but real quick, Ben, let's go to the French Revolution. Just real yeah. quick, it's already a long-running show. Uh, we both finished Castlevania Nocturne. We did. Uh, is this also your favorite season of Castlevania? 
Oh God, yeah. Yeah, so show whips. This, it, this it show whips is so good because he has a whip in the show too. No, this this version of this like they did so many things right in this in this new series of Castlevania. Now I see the first series of Castlevania, especially that first season, and it was good. It was really fun, but yeah. this one. I don't know what this, what kind of sauce they got, but it was good. And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm in intrigued. I'm not intrigued. I'm engaged. I care. The twists hit hard. I mean, mm-hmm. per, I, I didn't know that. Spoilers for Castlevania Nocturne, by the way. I didn't know that the abbot was Maria's daughter the whole time. I was like, maybe, but what it's like, no, that's the, the abbot is Maria's dad. I'm like, oh shit, that makes this a hell of a lot more worse than I thought. It's a much more complicated bad character. Yeah, it does. And even when, like, when Richter is going through his little funk when he see, finally sees Ulrochs, I love Ulrochs, by the way. I just that smug, that very sophisticated, and just that. I also I don't know if it's just because of his eyes or how evil he is, but then he realizes this person is a lot worse than I am. So unfortunately, I'm gonna have to figure. I know there's gonna be a great showdown between him and Richter later on, but my God, this or because it seems kind of like Orlox is kind of on. He, he's he's a evil vampire, but like he gets he gets a little good. He's getting a little oh, good, just, just a little bit. Uh, and just it's bit. it's so impressive because um I don't think our main character Richter. I don't think he's he's as uh, interesting as Trevor from season no. one. He's he's kind of like a shitty teenager, uh, yeah. but the surrounding cast is incredible, really really good. Uh, hey. And our villains, like I like I don't think anything will top Dracula, like Vlad, like that dude rules. But yes. having Elizabeth Bathory, who's a real life Hungarian serial killer who bathed in the blood of children, making her our new villain, and she's actually a vampire who's trying to transcend into become a god incredible her design is incredible all of her like secondary villains like i'm, I'm literally in love with uh um uh it, it's incredible and there's something to do with the night monster the the night demons or whatever they're called the night creatures it's all night creatures like it's all an improvement uh on that first season and there's like 90 percent less random like or swear words so it's like it's warren ellis isn't involved in the show anymore there is still some swearing but it's not like every other word he's saying oh, right. shit. like it is it is much more just a show where people talk and they sometimes yeah. swear when it feels right <laughs> Yeah, I actually I didn't realize that was a big problem with the original Castlevania because you're absolutely right. There was a lot more swear. Now that it was like, like yeah, season three, you really it's you just know like man, they're just swearing literally all the time, dude. I mean, yeah, it's like every chance lost its way too. Yeah. Yes, but with this one is like yeah, they put in swear words when they're appropriate. Like with Maria, um, it's weird because you're right. Richter is very much a whiny teenager, but he does like he comes around. He has this big thing. He has this cool or this scene with his grandfather where he finally finds the magic inside of him. His and super just, saiyan scene. He, yeah, his super saiyan scene. It's, that's incredible. true. It's so good. It, the action in this scene is so well animated. And you're absolutely right. Why is the evil demon vampire lady so freaking hot? I don't know. They Listen, they know. They know what they're doing. Yeah, she wears they know those, what they're doing. Dude, her heels are literally this big when she walks around. And I'm just yeah, like, you just her like, heels you know are what like, you're doing. Hoops. Those are hoof heels. Yeah, it's like yeah, a stiletto. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, it's a stripper heel without the heel part. It's like that's a whole it's a mommy heel. Um, but also I, I, I love this show, and even when we get to the very final scene, I was hyped. Don't spoil the final scene because like, I don't want to spoil the final scene. But I was, I was hype. 
I was my I was watching this with my fiance. My fiance was really trying to get me to watch this because she finished it before I did. Nice. And I we're just like, yeah. And I cannot wait for a season two. But also I just love how they brought because obviously the with like the original Castlevania, it's in medieval Europe, it's the dark the, the air quotes, the dark ages. It's the you know all this medieval stuff, and when they brought this three hundred years into into started uh, Boston, Massachusetts. I never it starts in Boston. In, like, in America is like a really weird thing for thing for me to think about. Yeah, it starts really in cool. Boston either right after or right before the American Revolution. Yeah, and then it goes into the it's, French Revolution. It's after. It's it's like seventeen eighty yeah. something. So it's a little bit. After. Right, so it's right after the war ended, and. Then it goes into France during the French Revolution, where you see Maria trying to get a whole French uh, revolutionaries together. It's like, I love this. I love this type of historical fiction. And also, to me, it just makes... I also love how the vampires are the aristocrats, the ones who don't like the revolutionary, and the humans, the the peasants, are the the revolutionaries. Yeah, and like the second you get to the chateau and everyone and revealed, hey, everyone at the chateau, they're all fucking vampires. Have fun. It's, it's like, oh, we're in danger, like literal danger. And like yeah. these episodes are all like 20 minutes long, like 22 mm-hmm. minutes long. So, like, you know, standard animation, like there's only eight episodes. Like it's a real quick watch. And like I watched it in like two sittings because like uh, like it's, it was just so enthralling. Like every, every episode is like it's it's really well animated. There are some times where it can get a little stiff, but like how much fluidity is in this entire show? I don't mind a little bit of stiffness now and then because of like how hard these guys are working. I think yeah, it, it, um, this is definitely the best season of Castlevania. Uh, yeah. if, if you're all interested, it's absolutely worth the watch. It is definitely, it definitely has, because I have the Castlevania Requiem on my PS5, which is the, um, which is the dual pack of Rondo and Blood and Symphony of the Night, which is Richter and Alucard's games. Yep. Um, I started Symphony of the Night, but I'm going to need to restart that game because now I, I think I should have played Rondo and Blood first before I get into Symphony of the Night. But man, just playing or just play not playing watching this show it doesn't make me just dis- doesn't make me dislike the original castlevania because i really do enjoy the original castlevania i enjoy the characters i enjoy um the first season is still really really good it is it's just like I, this this show does it it heightens everything that that that, that it's like oh it can be better like it can, this is what it could be and i'm mm-hmm. like hell yeah we're here I, I would still say seasons one and two of castle of the original castlevania top notch Three and four, eh. but I never third. got through the fourth season. I... Oh, I didn't even forget. I forgot that fourth even came out. I was thinking, I was thinking the fourth was the third. I thought there were three seasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's eh, right. Don't worry, don't worry about that fourth one, guys. Yeah, but yeah. hey, Nocturne, Honestly, fantastic. Hey, just watch Nocturne, and like you, yeah, you don't even Nocturne. need to know anything. It's all, it's all there for you. Just watch Nocturne. That's all you need to do. It's great. The great number one, like a new issue of number one. Nice, nice, nice Castlevania talk, Ben. I love it. Uh, keep it with Ben though, because he wanted to talk about Avatar. Yes, actually, before Avatar, I want to talk about something a little wholesome first, and that is the tra- if we, if we can jump into trailers real quick, Pokemon Concierge, guys. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was talking about this with my fiance, and I was watching a few TikToks about this when the Pokemon Company lets other creators do something different with their franchise. And it's not just about the grand adventure. It's not about the battling. There are, I feel like with Pokemon, there are two sides of Pokemon. There's the traditional Pokemon out of the video games and the card games. It's like you battle, you adventure, you travel, you forge bonds. Whereas, and there's also the wholesome side of Pokemon, where you have games like Pokemon Snap. You have things like um, 
of like, hey, here's all the cute merch that we have with Pikachu and other things. And just seeing the animation style and how everything, it's practical, it's claymation, stop motion animation, and everything just looks cute and fuzzy. I It gives me warm and fuzzy feelings that this is actually the po- one Pokemon thing, not the one Pokemon thing, but this is the Pokemon thing I am most excited about in a very long time. Can I... Because you remember, you reminded me, you said claymation, which I don't actually think this is claymation. Um, but um, uh, did you guys see today that Ardman is running out of clay? They only have enough clay for the next uh, Wallace and Gromit because these clay company they get their supplies from went out of business. Mm, bummer. Oh, no. Isn't that wild? That more clay. Wild. That's tough. Clay um, Ben Ben already pretty much hit my point, but what all I'll really say about this is that it's Pokemon Snap the show, and I love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it looks really good. I I wasn't necessarily I'm not really a Pokemon guy, so I wasn't really going to say much about it. But I decided to watch the trailer, and I really liked it. I thought this was a really good trailer, and um, I really loved the the stop motion animation. I love how all the Pokemon look. Um, uh, yeah, going, I was really I was really engaged with this. Going back to when uh, Pokemon a Pokemon show was announced for Netflix. Um, this is not what I thought we were going to get. No. And I'm really, really happy with it. Yes. Well, they, yeah, they're they're still, super they, wholesome. They, I think they're still working on a live action film, on a live action series. Um, but yeah, this is really cool. I feel that with this one, this is, I don't want to say this, that Pokemon Concierge is a gateway to Pokemon. Because I mean, I don't think there is a really good gateway. When I say a good gateway, it's, it's pretty much like, if you want to get into Pokemon, literally just pick just go. Just like jump in. It's not like, oh, you have to start here, then build your way up. There's none of that. All the games but, are the same. Pick any of them. Exactly, yeah. It's just like different. It's like, oh, what Pokemon do you think look cooler, essentially? But with Concierge, it definitely gives that Animal Crossing relax vibes, if that makes sense. This yes. feels like Animal Crossing Pokemon, but it's a television show. And the whole time I'm watching this, I got this great warm and fuzzy feeling inside of me that I'm just like, this is nice. It gives you a, a good sense of calm and relax. Whereas like with, the, with other Pokemon shows, you're, you know, it's not always high octane action or, or hype moments. Like in the very last episode when Ash won, where you hear the original theme song, but this is just like, this is also what Pokemon can be. It's because in the games and the, and the other things they say, people can keep Pokemon as pets or they, it's like, they live with Pokemon. They're not used to, to fight all the time. It's like, this is where yeah. Pokemon can go to relax, and this is where I can go relax. And I am so Pokemon ready to watch this. It doesn't just have to be cockfighting. It could be no, me exactly. just hanging out with pets. I will say, <laughs> I will say that, um, and it could just be a trailer thing, but I don't think it is. I think it's going to be a show thing. Um, I might have to watch, personally, I might have to watch this one in Japanese, because yeah. the dub mm-hmm. with the animation just throws me off even though karen fubahara um, is like really charming and stuff yeah 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 Yeah, with the expressions and the it, the expressions aren't matching the voices for me um and it's partially just the way that it's lining up with the with the mouths but it's but i'm like i, I don't know that this is what i'm going to be able to do in the dub right i mean i might watch it twice because i'm also i mean it's probably not going to help me any any much because i am learning japanese but i want to watch this both in dub and sub uh but uh, yeah this this whole this show looks amazing and wholesome and adorable and thanks for thank you guys for letting me vent uh um rant about it because i think we should all watch this show and i think this will be a good relaxing show to just oh, yeah. sit back and enjoy i'm gonna watch it yeah, yeah. yeah. looks very charming uh, all right 
Avatar? Yeah. Oh, are you excited oh, okay. then? So, I know that I should still stay ca- stay cautiously optimistic. But just from the looks of the trailer, how everyone, even when I saw the stills, how everyone looks, holy shit, they freaking nailed it. This is everything that Shyamalan could not deliver. And just by the way they look, how Appa looks CGI, the way Momo looks, the bit, the little bending that we saw, and Uncle the um I can't remember his name, but the gentleman from Kim's Convenience and Star Wars, um Appa from Kim's uh from Kim's Convenience, how he looks just like Uncle Iroh. He looks so good, just by looks alone. Yes, that I yeah. am. I am ready. I am excited. I am like, I'm still staying cautiously optimistic, but looks alone. This looks fantastic. It's, I'm, it's I am like a, they, they ripped the show off of Nickelodeon and they made it live action. I'm mostly with you. I agree. Uh, I think this is, yeah, this, this is, yeah, this is kind of, this is my Legend of Zelda <laughs> that you guys are talking about. Um, how, when you guys are saying that like Legend of Zelda, a live action Legend of Zelda would not be as colorful as what you'd hope for. This is that for me. It's, it's not, I don't see the, we've said it before, there's really no reason to make Avatar live action. It's a very beautiful animated show. It works really, really yeah. cool. Um, if you're just going to do the same thing, but with less interesting visuals, I'm, I'm less excited than I wish I was. Um, I am kind of in Brandon's camp. Um, okay. When I saw the trailer, I wanted it to make me more hype. I can acknowledge that I think they've captured a lot more accurately what yeah. the aesthetic is, um, which is basically like, congratulations, you cleared the low bar Shyamalan couldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, and I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the background knowledge that I have that the creators left this project because they felt it wasn't doing what Avatar should do. That is making me go, I don't know this. I don't, I don't know if this is it um, because I, yeah, it looks right aesthetically but i kind of agree with brandon that it, it's i kind of think it should be more colorful and lighter than it even looks as it is sure. like in the in the tone of like the the way that they are uh editing the film of what they shot um while the while the costuming and the character castings and all that is correct um and it has me also sitting there kind of going i do think like the, if you're going to do a live a- action adaptation of avatar it does make more sense to me for it to be movies, not shows. Because if you're doing a show, why wouldn't I just watch the cartoon? Mm-hmm. That's and that's, right. and that's a little bit where I'm at right now. Yeah. But it's just a teaser trailer. So like I, I'm I'm open to having a changed mind about this later. Yeah. But this didn't get me as excited as I wanted it to. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely fair. Uh, oh uh, yeah. I, I could say the exact same things about Yu Yu Haka show, but I think oh, I think most of us are pretty excited for that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. hey, why not just watch the show if you're just gonna do the TV blah blah blah. So like I'm just coming out to stuff like like just more of a glass half full like yo at least the visuals are right and i'll have to wait to see what the story is but like watching that trailer um this looks way better than i ever thought it was going to look uh and it looks more accurate than i expected it to look now yes Mm -hmm. we like nothing will ever be that animated show but like we live in a world where everything we love is going to be adapted so i'm just going to come at it where well i just hope it's good instead of i hope it i wish it didn't exist Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm not that i'm saying that but you guys are saying uh i'm just like 
that M that M Night movie like burned everybody in the planet. So like at least at least it looks like they are trying on a visual level on like uh, the story. Like again, we have to wait and see. Those guys left the project for creative differences. So like it could end up being it, it could end up being a Cowboy Bebop as opposed to a One Piece. But like we know that like if they can adapt One Piece and people like that show, and that's like one of the most unadaptable things ever because that's like Mister Fantastic being crazy on a pirate ship. Like I I just I have more faith than than when we initially heard this was happening mm-hmm. again, when I watched the first episode, I'll say, man, it's a piece of shit. But like, just visually, I'm like, wow, I th- like this does not look cheap. <laughs> it looks now, like they tried. I will still, I, like I said earlier, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, just going off of visuals alone, nailed it. Um, but I, I a hundred percent agree. I, I agree with both Brandon and what sparks are saying. And also this is just a teaser trailer. We don't know exactly what the story is, what they are changing from the original show. If they are changing anything from the original show. Cause I feel like with this teaser trailer, they had to do like essentially like throw the nostalgia and then we'll start like essentially kind of like, uh, um, a controlled release of the newer stuff, the stuff they changed. Absolutely. Because with something like with the series like Avatar with Last Airbender, I feel like they have to be like, given the nostalgia hit first, and then we'll go into the newer stuff. See, that's my fear with this. I'm concerned that because that these are people going in, we can't do what M. Night did. So let's just slavishly remake the animated show in live action. Um, That's why I'm fearful. So if you're just going to give me the same show, but live action. And so therefore it looks less visually interesting. I'm not really that excited for it. People I've not seen one piece, but from what I can gather, people like one piece because it's a good colorful adaptation that doesn't slavishly uh, hold to the plot beats of the animated show. It it is allowed to explore its own things. Um, Now, again, I can't speak to the validity of that, but that's just what I've heard. Um, So that's the kind of thing where I'm like, I'm far more willing if you're going to do something like that, where it's still recognizably Avatar The Last Airbender, but you are changing things where it needs to be changed and and showing and and doing something differently. but we have, but like this teaser doesn't really showcase a lot of that. Um, and so like, I'm all, I can only judge the teaser and I'm not passing judgment on the show. I just, I was just not as excited as I wish I could have been from this teaser. Right. That hundred percent understandable. Yeah. Uh, we, I believe we're all in agreement that there's nothing can beat the original show. Mm-hmm. I mean that, I mean, yes, there are a few episodes, but even then it is still a fantastic show with fantastic animation and fantastic characters. And even when they decided to to redo to try it again, I going back to the well of like the original Avatar Lies Eminent show, I would maybe like something else, but at the same time, Bakers can't be choosers. And this does look good. But here's I the thing really though, do... Ben. We can be choosers. We can be choosers because <laughs> the creators good, yeah. of the Avatar series are coming out with a new 2D animated film. They are. They are. And it's them as adults. And I'm excited. We can be choosers because we will get the option to choose. Yay! <laughs> I, That's I true. That's very I, true. I will say, and I nothing about the Caesar trailer makes me think this is necessarily the case. It, this is me talking about like the, the creators leaving because of creative differences. Um, One Piece and Cowboy Bebop. They were the same studio uh, that adapted mm-hmm. those animes. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is that what they wanted to do 
was much more akin to the tone of One Piece because they wanted to do something lighter and goofier. They took that same approach to Cowboy Bebop initially, but Cowboy Bebop, in doing that, they totally missed the tone and core of what made Cowboy Bebop the show that it was. Cora. And that's why that fell apart, but One Piece worked. So I, I'm trepidatious about them not getting the core of what the show is correct. Um, and if that's where we're at, then it's going to be it's almost it's going to be even more of a bummer because it's going to be like, damn, you were so close. Look at these visuals. You were almost there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, that's not me. That's not me judging on this teaser trailer. All, all I can really say from the teaser trailer is just like, I I wanted to be more hyped about it. And for whatever reason, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I can't blame anyone for that. Yeah. Um, well, Ben, this looks like it's probably you're out. So yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry, guys. I got to go get dressed and get gas and run an errand before. But Ben, before um, you go, uh, plug your stuff. Yes, of course. So, of course, you could find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads at BenMagnet27. I also write for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, GoNintendo.com. And also, just to let you guys know, the newest issue of uh, Old School Gamer Magazine that is coming out this month. I don't know. Uh, I got the email saying it was sent to press, so I don't know if it's been mailed out yet. But I have two pretty big articles in that, and I'm really proud of them, so you should definitely check it out. One is about um, video game publishers that are getting physical releases, essentially becoming new retro-style video games. And the other is an article about Boss Fight books, which they were um, Gabe Durham, who is the co-creator and founder of Boss Fight. He was on Pause Menu the last episode. So yeah, definitely check that out. I'm really proud of that. Can't wait, to, can't wait for you guys to see them and read them. And of course... I play Mary Frankenstein in D and Dark. So the newest episode came out last week, but also if you're a member of the Patreon, the newest episode of our side project or our, our side special called Cthulhu Do, the third episode dropped this past Wednesday. So if you're oh, so yeah. sign up to the Patreon for D and Dark, if you want to listen to me act uh, like Shaggy Rogers, it's really cool. Sparks listened to it and he doesn't hate it, so that's good. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and what i say sometimes, doesn't hate it he sometimes, hate ben, it. sometimes ben just can't leave the barbarian dead no i can't then you you will dps until the day you die no matter Probably. no matter what character you're playing and if he can't dps <laughs> then he'll turn a character that can't be a barbarian into as close of a barbarian as he possibly can that we is a reference to me playing dead space in case y'all were wondering we are who we are yeah, we are. We are. Um, all right, my friend. Uh, goodbye. Uh, have a good. Have a good day. We'll do. Have a. See you later, guys. Goodbye, Bye, Ben. Um, Bye. Um, okay. So we've got. We've got uh, a few trailers here that we we want to talk about. Um, uh, anyone have any preference? Um, or where to start? Or should we just nope. go down the list? No. Throw them up. Let's do, let's do Ultraman Rising then. Oh yeah, uh, the animation just looks really good, and that's yeah. on, honestly that's the thing that really stands out is like uh, there's not a ton else that's immediately grabbing me personally, but the animation is splendid. It's it's yeah, it's it's more of like a teaser too, but like it gives you a sense of what it's gonna look like and like kind of like it's it's him raising a kaiju. Um, it looks phenomenal. Uh, I've slowly been getting more and more into Ultraman. Uh, and it's just a really cool character. How religious this one will be doesn't look like it's going to be super religious because like it's kind of like the base of that original show. Uh, but him being a dad, he's a cool space dad, uh, uh, secret agent, Ultraman, uh, baseball player, Ultraman, uh, playing in Gigabash. Looks looks yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, I thought the animation yeah. looked really great, but that's really all I can say about it. I just wanted to highlight. Uh, two, one, two strings guys working on this one. 
Nice. Didn't know that. That's awesome. Yep. Um, Yu Yu Hakusho, then. I have that t-shirt on right now. So real quick, before we be... I'm assuming positive? Yes. Um, uh, This show looks like it was shot like, like, like a CW show, because there's a lot of empty warehouse fighting and street fighting mm. with not a lot of people around, and it looks like a low-budget show, and not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. It's just interesting that after talking about the Netflix show, uh, I think that show... Uh, presents itself a little better than this trailer does in terms of some of the the visuals it's giving me. But saying that, I think it looks I think it looks really great, and I think the characters all look really great. Uh, I I am so excited about Togoro, one of my favorite villains in media. Uh, uh, Koenma, the man baby with the with the the thing in his mouth, like they it's all there. It's all there. It looks like it looks like it looks like a Netflix show for yeah. sure. I wish it looked visually more appealing, honestly. Sure. But I'm really, I'm really excited for it. The team behind it uh, has worked on a bunch of other really popular Netflix shows, Japanese Netflix shows. So like, I have faith in the team as opposed to it being like an American-made show. I was when we first heard about it, uh, it was not specified that this was going to be a Japanese-made show. Um, yeah. It was uh, so we all thought it was going to be like Cowboy Bebop or One Piece. Um, I certainly have more faith in it knowing now that it is a Japanese produced show, because I think overall when they adapt their anime, it's more of a net positive than when we adapt their anime. Um, yeah. You know, I can, you know, Roni Kenshin, Death Note, I think are great. Um, and here are, and here I'm hoping for another great one. I think I agree with Ryan visually. It's not as stunning as I kind of wish it would. There's one scene on the river where we see like the lanterns. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah. Um, and the spirit bomb looks pretty cool. I'm excited. The spirit gun looks really cool. I'm excited about that. Spirit gun. I, I do think there's an amount of like budget constraint because I kind of agree with you. But I think what works to their advantage and what makes me happy about the fact this is a Japanese production and that I didn't really think about when we were talking about the show, but it, like it is very accurate. It's a Tokyo based show. You know, like it's 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 an in Japan based show. Yeah, that's Yu Yu Hakusho. Is is it takes place in in Japan? We were detective. Like, I'm really glad that that is that is going to be part of it and that that does leave them some room to like cut corners on budget a bit. Yeah. But if like it's cut there to make other things more accurate to the show, I'm going to, I'm going to be happy with it. If like the performances land, because like even looking kind of CW, like CW gets it right sometimes. No, absolutely. And, like, and like, this looks like a time where they might, they might have it right. Yeah. Anyway, the character stuff looks really, really great. I, I my only drawback is like, yeah, that, that kind of like Netflix aesthetic of like, this could be brighter, this could be more colorful. It's like that final because I watched it a couple times now. The final action scene, it's just in a giant empty warehouse and they're running at each other. I'm like, that really feels like Arrow season, like you know, season two or three. And that's not again, that's not me being negative. It's just like visually, I was, I hope it just be a little more flashy. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, not that the show is extremely colorful. It is, you know, it is like a darker show. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not Sailor Moon. But I'm 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 super pumped for this. Uh, the team working on it, uh, besides working on some Netflix stuff, um, one of the guys were uh, uh, is more of like a Netflix live action guy. The other person worked on a bunch of animes like Delaman Crybaby and some other things. So like yeah. I I have full faith in the show. Uh, if it if this one turns out bad, I'll actually be surprised that if it's not at least good to serviceable to great. Right. Um, and that's so cool. I wonder like, if the I wonder if the problem of like it's budget constraints like you look at one piece which has very big sets very elaborate locations um yeah and i wonder if the the difference there is because this is a japanese production and one piece of american production i wonder if perhaps the budget um just isn't there in a japanese production as it is for because like you kind of would hope that it would have a similar budget if coming from the same studio as netflix but perhaps there was some allocation differences because of the different production teams 
Um, curious to know about how that how that happens, but yeah, I think well, it looks good. All, 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 well, I definitely good. think that's part of it is that like you know that they are different like studios within Netflix that are doing these kinds of projects, mm-hmm. and like this very much feels more like something that like I don't know the specifics, but it does feel like something that would have been made in Japan anyway, and Netflix is picking up some of the bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make it, um, but again, like I think the thing is like a decent chunk of Yu Yu Hakusho you don't have to build sets for. Um, so they are, like, using what they can to not have to do Especially that. the early stuff. Before especially, we get to, like, the dark tournament. where that's, Especially yeah. a lot of what we're seeing in this trailer is the early, really early stuff. And, and that's kind of what I mean is, like, if we're if we're not seeing a lot of budget here so that we can see more budget later yeah, yeah. because things get bigger in that show. Um, but initially it's in the city. Uh, I'm okay with that. I'm and then, okay and then with that kind of being stuff. the trajectory of it Absolutely. and like it looking like that in order to get there. Um, because like One Piece has to do stuff like building those sets to work because One Piece is extravagant and fantastical. It's and not he, in the real world. And yeah, the yeah. Yu Hakusho takes time to get more fantastical. And even then it doesn't hit the heights of like visually of the landscape of what One Piece is doing. If they remake that opening theme song in live action, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. Cause that really is like one of the, one of the greats of all time, Uh, man. Like it's really cool. Like, I don't need everything to be adapted, but I just like, if you are going to adapt it, at least like, like put some thought and love behind it. And like, this show looks like, like they're really trying like those characters, like again, Togoro and his, and his shitty brother. I'm just like, Oh my God, it's so good. I'm so happy. I think that's also something is that like, Yu Hakusho is is loved, but I wouldn't say like it's not know, Dragon Ball Z. It's not it's not your it's not your like you have that guaranteed fan base. Yeah, um, that's going to like cause a na- a big hit the way One Piece or even Cowboy Bebop would have, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you come to this project because you want to make this project. Yes, is right. my point. Uh, and I I feel like I feel that, and that has me more excited. That's maybe a little bit of what's missing from the last Airbender teaser, not to go back too far. is like, there's nothing in that teaser that's telling me this is made with passion. I yeah. I wouldn't go that far personally, but I, but I, but I, but I hear you. There's, there's, there's an amount of that teaser that I think is telling me it's made with faithfulness in mind. Yeah. But um, passion isn't necessarily the thing I'm feeling from the teaser trailer itself. Sure, sure, sure. Personally. Uh, whereas I feel it's a teaser trailer like yeah. and like they're they're giving you more substance in this yu yu Hakusho. yeah there's no one I talking in that teaser. Yeah, yeah 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 now i'm acknowledging that i'm yeah. saying like the yu yu Hakusho trailer is giving you more but it is making me feel like there's a lot of passion behind this project absolutely i'll agree with that part yeah yeah true um orion in the dark is another trailer i wanted to talk about because i thought this looked awesome i honestly probably wouldn't have watched this and uh if it didn't say written by charlie kaufman one of the most ridiculous screenwriters of all time we've heard we'd actually heard a while back i don't think we talked about it on the podcast but I, I i remember hearing a while back that kaufman was working on an animated film script like this um it looks really really cool i love monsters inc yeah um i i i think this is a totally i don't love the animation i think it looks good but i don't I'm, love I, it either i but it is something that again like with a different screenwriter, I wouldn't care, but like this dude is he's like synecdoche oh, in New York and adaptation. I'll, I'll be the defense then, as I do really like the animation. Um I, I I like the animation style. I like how it I like how all the 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 kind of like concept dark and all the other creatures they look. I I'm really interested in those designs. I think it's really fluid. Uh, you said Monsters Inc. I disagree. I think it's Rise of the Guardians. Um it's very, it's very yeah. What? I was also just like making like a, like a, like an offhanded joke. Like I, it's not. I don't think it actually looks like. What Rise of the Guardians is the 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 Jack Frost, Santa Claus. Oh, I, didn't see that. I didn't see that one. 
but it's um, like all the heroes getting together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like Santa Claus, Jack Frost, and um, Easter Bunny. Like all those. Like I really, uh, I really like that movie. I'm a, I'm a staunch defender of that film. Um, and I, I get very much the same vibes from this film, which is probably why I'm really excited about it. Um, I didn't know that this was even coming. I'd never heard of it, and I, I really like the concept. I really like the way it looks. I really like the voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know Charlie Kaufman was the writer until you said until you said that. And I think that's awesome. I really like him as a writer, um, and I'm really just like I'm really jazzed about it. I just thought it looked really cool. Uh, so something that it's it, it looks like something unique in the animated space coming from DreamWorks, which is what I want. I I like the creature designs. I think the humans are like oh, this is like the same kind of generic weird like DreamWorksy kind of character. Oh. Like I'll actually say like what works for me. The the human designs are fine with me, and I like the character modeling in general. It's the environments that aren't. I'm not crazy about sure, sure, sure. Um, personally for like the animation stuff where I'm like, I just don't think the environments are as engaging as I wish they were. I wish they were doing something a little more on the scale of they're not the same studio, but um, over the moon environment wise sure. or um, Whoa, uh, that's a good movie. Uh, or um, shit. It was right there. Um, it's gone. Maybe it'll come back. But uh, that's that's the main part that I'm like, I just feel like Mitchell's versus the machines. That was it. Um, hmm. it I feel like the environment specifically, uh, I kind of wish were popping a little more. I think the character modeling is very good um, because I really like I really like the design for dark. Um, yeah. And I and I think that the human stuff works totally, fine, totally well, like next to him. Um, it, it is the environment stuff that that I, I, I think isn't as eye catching as it could be. Um, for the concept of the story and there might be stuff in there there might be like fading like, the, there might be stuff yeah, yeah yeah that could definitely pop off in the big but like right now it's it's not in this trailer the way that i i wish it would yeah um but i still think it's like it, it seems like a fun uh movie and something different um in a way that is just going to be nice yeah to have. yeah i agree um rebel moon we haven't got a chance to talk about rebel moon this is the second trailer i'm in I'm in. I'm totally in. Locked in. Locked in. No, just like it looks like you know, it looks like a cool action movie, and like, I like I don't want Zack Snyder's Zack Snyder style, <laughs> Zack Snyder's style on my DC superheroes. But when it's his own universe, and he gets like, I'm just gonna make my own Star Wars. Like, I I have no reason uh, to 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 just like off passionately hate it. Like, I think I don't know why it's taken so long for people to just do their own version of lightsabers. Like, it's like. It's like it's. I think it's cool. I'm, I'm, you know, Star Wars take is inspired by Akira Kurosawa and so many other things. So like, I'm cool with this as being like, yo, a bunch of rebels, a bunch of farmers need need people uh, to fight the oppressors. Like that's a tried and true idea. Uh, the entire cast is so stacked. One of the most stacked cast ever. I will watch Sofia Batella in basically anything. That's true. So uh, I think it looks like a fun time. It's not going to change the world. Uh, not every movie needs to. Um. I was shocked to find out it's in the same universe as Army of the Dead. Yeah, which is I, a that, funny thing I, that he said. That's cool. Um, I, I hope Dave Batista's like zombie corpse shows up or something. Uh, I just thought that was funny. Um, I uh, I'm really excited about this. I think it looks really cool. This is the kind of thing that I want Zack Snyder to do. Um, I don't really want to see any more of the Army of the Dead universe. Be honest. Uh, I'm not. I don't. I gotta know about the robots. Oh, so um, the the prequel movie Army of Thieves, which stars the blonde guy who also directed it, apparently that's a banger. That's like an actual really good like heist movie in a zombie. It's the movie Army of the Dead should have been, and I've only seen like only more positive things. And like, forget the actual movie. The prequel is the one you need to watch. Uh, will I watch it? Probably not. But yeah, probably uh, not. I just want to give it to Kratos. 
Um, I but like something like this, something like I think Snyder works really well with visuals and really like big bombastic kind of things. I think that's the kind of filmmaker he is. And it really looks like he's leaning into his strengths with this film, which is what I want to see from him in general as a filmmaker. So like, yeah, I'm so I'm so in on this. Um, I think it's a uh, it's very funny that he, you know, the kind of cyclical nature of doing a Star Wars inspired story and you're just doing an Akira, uh, Akira Kurosawa story, inspired story the seven samurai uh story um yeah uh in, in sci-fi again and i think that's very funny uh metatextually but yeah this looks really cool got a great cast i love everyone There's in the spider cast. monster lady who looks like yeah. um from saga like i'm all like and people are writing griffins like it's merging science fiction and fantasy just like star wars does i'm like it just looks like a cool a cool idea it's cool yeah, this is exactly what the kind of film I was hoping it would be. This is the, exactly the kind of film I was hoping he would he would make. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm all on board. Love it. Yeah, I echo a lot of what you guys say. I, I just I prefer Zack Snyder when he's on his own shit. Yeah. Echo, echo. Uh, outside of uh, like the only time I've I've enjoyed him doing IP was was um, the Owl movie. So <laughs> <Me too. laughs> the Guardians of the Wall. Yeah, uh, but yeah. outside of that, like uh, when he's able to just because he is a good visual filmmaker and and like even though i think there's a lot of story problems with sucker punch visually i think that movie's a, a blast to look at you know before i saw um, that movie like i was still like a young teenager and i was like okay so there's samurai and there's dragons and there's hot ladies with swords like this is going to be the greatest movie ever made and then it's 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 awful it's awful uh but like yo man that movie looks sick mute it the coolest screensaver you've ever seen yeah really like i mean like yeah. visually when he can do visual language stuff and i and i think he's recognized some some failings from sucker punch in a narrative way yes so like if rebel moon can be more of like the best of what he can do when he wants to visually tell a story um which it seems like it can be then i'm all here for it love it yeah uh what <laughs> if season two there's potential here um there i don't want to get my hopes up yeah um i'm 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 interested that Gamora story seems to have um, seems to not be about what we thought it was. The one where she's basically taken Thanos's role. Um, I thought it was going to be a story following her, the one that got saved over from previous season. Yeah. Um, it's actually a story following Nebula that she is, and I, that automatically has me a little more intrigued about it. Um, and then aside from that, like uh, my one ding on this is that I, I really want us to stop centering Captain Carter just because they clearly don't know what to how to write her as a cool character so now i'm just kind of getting tired of it and like um, this is going to be like they're obviously going to be like individual stories but like there is more of a narrative fo like like tying together in this season i just think it sucks that they put her in the in the shot next to him at the end she's like she's like the focal like, like get out of here she's like the focal multiverse avenger now and like they're, they're like i wish i liked that character more I'm it sorry. should be yeah, strange yeah. supreme who is also in this trailer yes yeah, yeah i'd rather honestly because he's at least like he's got the best story from season one so yep. mm -hmm. like i love Haley atwell i really do yeah i wish that they were writing her a cool character but i'm not convinced because it's the same team from last time that's the thing that's got me stressed it's the same writing team from yeah. last time and they they fumbled the ball there i don't know how we're gonna do better i really hope that that new hero native uh, indigenous character story is good I really do. Yeah, there's um, a lot. There was a lot of consultants on that story, which, which yeah, yeah. gives me yeah, hope. So, so I'm really hoping that they land that one for sure. I think um, the the rest of it is like there's really cool ideas here. Yeah. I hope at least like we get some like if we can have just some more fun, honestly, with it. Uh, that death race, the death race Mario Kart one looks awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, if we can have more like. Um, 
I didn't like the idea when they said like we're doing the Happy Hogan uh, Christmas story, and now that like all it took was him getting on the phone with Cat Deming, die hard. Like, I don't know. I guess I'm gonna kind of have fun here. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of into it if you can do it right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just want more of like at the lowest level the thor uh party thor episode like at the lowest yeah. level if we can just have a good goddamn time with the with the actors I just want, and characters yeah i just want them to be more imaginative with their what if idea instead of just keeping so close to what if this person was just this person like well, we got like the, the 80s and 90s <clears throat> avengers and this fighting odin or whatever like that's an original no, cool idea so so it's two those are two different stories. Oh, so okay. odin is fighting that i'm excited about it's odin what if odin went after the mandarin Oh, back oh in the day. sorry. Yeah, they just they they cut clutched, it together weird. Okay. Which is gonna be cool. And then it's um King. This is a cool story. I am excited about this one. Tank Pym, King T'Chaka, the Winter Soldier, Marvel going after a young Peter Quill who's Who's Annette Benning? Yeah. Yeah. Who's got who's <laughs> got uh they're ego going powers. after Peter Quill because he's got ego powers going on on Earth. And Goliath. And Goliath. Oh yeah. yeah. Lord Larry, Larry um, Burns. Larry Fish. I'm I'm there's a lot of potential here because there's the one where like well, there's the one from last season that was that was moved into this season because they didn't finish it in time, which was the um, what if uh, uh, Iron Man went to Sakaar and not Hulk, um, which is which I always kind of wanted to see. And I'm glad we're going to get to see that here. Um, there's the the but there, it looks like it looks visually. There's a lot of interesting like like fight sequences in this in this trailer that i'm really excited about like one of the, like i want to see what they're going to do with the animated animation medium i'm glad we're going to see strange supreme again there's a lot of stuff in this trailer that makes me like think like there's potential here there's some really interesting what ifs that you are actually that you look you seem to be doing here that i'm yeah. i'm really jazzed about and i really hope you pull it off i was ready because I don't like that first season. I was ready to kind of write this trailer off, but like they, they gave me enough where I'm like, okay, maybe you guys learned your lessons. But again, like they made these quick, like back to back pretty quickly and it's the same team. So like, yeah. I have more faith than I did originally, but I'm still like, I'm still a little worried. I, I, especially I, the one, real quick, this Sparks, like especially the one like, it, it's not Odin against the Mandarin. It's Odin against the Mandarin and Hela, which is really yeah. cool to me. Like I just, I, I want to see that. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think there I think there's a lot of fun there. Um, I I think at best we're gonna get um, we're gonna get more party Thor level good, and maybe one or two more actually like the Doctor Strange episode from last season level great. I have a feeling the I think her name's Kakori, the, the the Native American new hero. I think that one just because like they they seem to put a lot of effort into that one, like that one at least will be a banger. Uh, yeah. uh, so like I, I have a feeling that at least our overall majority of good episodes will be higher in this season, which is if I if I were a if I were a betting man, I would I would put money on the worst episode of the season being um Captain Carter versus the Hydra Stomper, which we know oh. is coming. So like that's just a continuation, okay. yeah. 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 So if like if that's the worst one you're gonna give me, then I hope the rest are better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then whatever whatever is gonna be like the follow-up of like the guardians of the multiverse idea which we yeah. see is is being brought together um again. guardians of the super I'm, I'm like yeah okay i i suppose i am more interested in like you just popping off on these individual stories though Same um way. like we kind of voiced this when we talked season one i think we went to the guardians of the multiverse idea way too quickly absolutely um because yeah. like 
I'd rather that we just got more of the watcher just kind of watching uh, how things are unfolding. Um, I hope there's some fun surprises. Again, like I really hope that at I really hope there's just one episode that really feels like no, I don't want to watch this ever again. Um, and that the rest can kind of rise above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. I'm I won't watch that there too. Now that's all I've got. That's all I wanted to bring. Uh, but Sparks, did you want to talk about Percy Jackson? Hmm. Yeah, only for a little bit. Uh, I don't need to like go off on it too hard. Um, I'll just tell you guys that like they're very faithfully recreating what what he has written and what I visualized as like kind of in the same vein of like when we're doing the last Bender stuff. Like that person, that first Percy Jackson film did a pretty good job, I think, of capturing the idea of this. Um, this is like far more in depth and faithful of recreating the creatures recreating the locales um this is truly trying to like hit those notes right and it makes it seem like and i think obviously it's helped by the fact that it's a show the camp seems more alive and spread out and diverse camp Papua. um because it needs to be uh and i i just i do have a lot more faith in it um lance reddick because yeah i'm excited for him um i i think that just like Last Airbender, I am nervous about the longevity of this because everything got pushed back due to strikes. It strikes are probably going to happen again. These kids get older. Mm -hmm. um, I still also feel like uh, I would have preferred an, an animated Riordan universe because I just think there's more potential to do everything he's doing with those books because Percy Jackson's story is goes far beyond the initial five books. Mm -hmm. um, and that world is expansive and big and wonderful. Um, and that still can happen one day, but this looks, uh, this looks cool. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that they've got a good cast. They clearly have the right, there is passion. I'll say that there's a lot of passion that I think is accurately placed on, um, Percy Jackson. I'll tell you one thing that made me really happy. Um, his dyslexia is an important part of who he is. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that was featured prominently in the trailer made me really, really pleased. He's reading and things are going, going crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, we're going I long. One. I got one more real quick because I'm not going to leave a woman out of this podcast. We're going to talk about Echo for a minute. Um, uh, Echo's trailer came out a couple weeks ago and uh, everyone everyone was like, oh, wow, this looks like a, like a, like a cool Netflix show. And I'm like, yeah, because that's, that's, that's what it feels like. Uh, it's a kingpin and uh, uh, Echo-focused show. It stars a Native American woman who actually is deaf and that is incredible. I'm giving. I have to give so much credence to that because, like, representation is really important, and especially, especially like when like Fantastic Four is casting going around, and everyone's talking about Doctor Doom just being played by a white guy, and like the Romani people are people who are not represented in media whatsoever. So having a character like Doctor Doom, who is not just a villain but one of the most important comic book characters of all time, representation is important. So I want to give Echo its credence because this looks like a really incredible, hardcore, rated R violent show about what happens when bad people try to become better. And it's all about Echo and uh, the things that happened in Hawkeye are going to lead into this. It's Vincent D'Onofrio is like the co-lead of this show. Yes. Uh, Daredevil shows up in it. Uh, I know people weren't hot on Echo in Hawkeye. That's not the actor's fault. That is the, the writing's fault not to do with that i don't not even think it's necessarily that as we talked we talked about when we talked about the show um the show just has to pivot away from her yeah and like she's just not given enough time for her story in the show yeah no i agree with that i'm so glad she's getting getting a show and like i was worried the show was just gonna get canceled but uh the buzz on it is really hot and like 
the right the the creator did say some really weird things about oh her powers are lame she has taskmaster's powers so we didn't give that to her and i'm like that is really lame uh, that you said that uh she has incredible power set in the comics when she's not being the phoenix uh but giving her just being a, an incredible martial artist instead of like a superhuman uh gives her it makes it a little more grounded in the kingpin world uh so like i'm just really excited to watch a a disney plus uh street level ground show starring uh, a well-represented character uh, that is really cool in the comics. Uh, so I'm really excited about Marvel's first Spotlight show. Uh, not to take away from her, uh, but I also am excited that Vincent D'Onofrio will, um, a, that we get so much more of him being a character properly. In Absolutely. This, but also that it, that it feels like that relationship is really going to be fleshed out. And like he's an important part of the give and take of like, uh, the main thing being like, when you get to the end of Hawkeye, shooting him doesn't feel as earned. I know, yeah, I agree. And like, I feel like they are trying to pay off the dividends of that on the backside. Absolutely. And like, I'm glad that they're really going for that and saying like, it is important the influence he has on her and what that means. This pseudo father figure that he becomes to her. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I think that will be a rewarding and personal show. And I, I, I'm excited for that. There's, it is. There's, there's so like, to focus on violence is like a weird thing, but considering we're talking about like Disney Plus, like we see just people getting their neck snaps and shot in the head and Kingpin is beating someone to death in an alleyway. And I'm like, this if you told me this was like a lost Netflix show that I never watched, I'd believe you. Um, I think it looks visually really appealing. Uh, the action looks great. There's a scene near the end of the trailer where when she's fighting, all the sound is like is like really muffled because she's deaf, so she can't hear it. And that's just a really cool uh, 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 choice to make as a as a creator. So yeah. I'm just like, I have so much faith in this show, and it's only you know it's going to be all dropped at once. So either people will watch it and forget it, or people will watch it and scream to the heavens. But I didn't want it to be forgotten because it's a character nobody knows. Right. Thank you for uh, my echo talk. It's interesting because like this came out during the strike, so we we didn't get a chance to talk about it uh, the, in the last show. This is yeah. when we would have, but um, the first time we talked about the show was because we found out it was being dropped all at once, which not the first time Netflix was the first time Disney has re really done that, so it felt really yeah. slimy. They canceled an episode, so it only became five episodes instead of six. Um, yeah. So we were and there was a lot of talk about how the production of this was really troubled. Why it's probably didn't come together. So it's really nice that the trailer does come out and people um, are saying like, oh, this looks different and and this looks different and exactly what I wanted it to be. Uh, hopefully it so hopefully it, it pays off and hopefully it, it does end up being being good because it's it's kind of a great like comeback story. If it is like, you know, coming back from like the 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 production was the supposed production was and to be a good show and be like, yes, that's great. I want that. And yes. like all the all the Disney Plus shows that we talked about, like they have to be six episodes. What if they tried to make it six and it didn't work, so they just made it five and they made it a better show for it? Like I I I I I have I'm so excited for this and it ends up being bad. I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. But like, I think going in, like I have no reason to think it's going to be bad right now. I also kind of hope that it's setting a tone for like maybe there is room for limited series three episode stories. Maybe it's just a little too long to be one of the specials. Yeah. Although I think that there should be more of the specials, like special presentations like Werewolf by Night. Yeah. But like, um, maybe it does set a precedent for Marvel like, Spotlight. For like, yeah, okay, I was going to talk about it in a second, but like that the, the, there can be like more, more leniency on like, it's a little too long for, it doesn't work for a movie. It doesn't work for a special presentation, but it shouldn't be like necessarily relegated to a six episode television series. What feels right. And like, when, when is it a right time to, maybe it will be like 
no, it's good that they drop it all at once. And that, that feels good because you get like all this like character story at once. Maybe that is going to be a right call instead of trying to do something week to week. Like Loki works week to week. Maybe not everything works week to week for some of the things that they're going to do in the amount of time that they're going to do it. Okay, all that being said, Marvel Spotlight, uh, which they announced as part of this, um, I think this is a mistake. But yeah. I'm interested in how you guys feel about no, it. No, I agree because like the second they said, oh, it's it's... Uh, uh, we're going to spotlight our own thing, but like, yeah, but it's tied to one of your Marvel Disney Plus shows called Hawkeye. So like, like, I think, I think just the impetus of it in general, which it, it, because it's not, I was all for something that like labels the things that are hard R. I'm more okay with that. Marvel Knights. Just make it Marvel Knights again. Right, right, right. Like you want to label the things that are hard R to separate them. Okay. But the idea of Marvel Spotlight, the way they said it, is basically to say, like, these are the things that don't have to be so tied to continuity. And what I heard is you are telling the average viewer this these are things matter. you don't have to care about. Yeah, and that does bum me out. And I think that's a mistake. Yeah. And also, like, on the flip side, I 100% agree, but on the flip side, it's like, yo, this doesn't have to be tied to canon. We can just make a good show. I think that's fine. Just don't don't put a label that you are telling the audience this doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. no, I Which agree. is how it feels. Like, yeah. again, like, I, I'm all for something where you're going to say, like, it's radar. And I think, like, if it if it's if it's not going to be too tied to the can that's fine like it doesn't need to be daredevils in it. <laughs> just do that you don't have to tell the audience you're doing that yeah i think that just encourages people to tune out yeah i think i think i think it's a mistake you should just call it marvel knights just like this is our adult imprint yeah ryan's right it should have just been marvel knights they tried it with ghost rider spirit of vengeance and punisher war journal like you did it once try it do it again marvel knights yeah no problem yeah, with that I, I like i like both those movies too it's great yeah um, marvel time over the last thing I wanted to bring up, and we're going along, so if you guys don't want to talk about it, that's fine. We can we can leave it now. Uh, but the the children need Doctor Who special uh, came out. Uh, no, I'm happy to do that with you. I did watch it. I I don't know how much you know about this. So it was a short five minute. I see. Thing. I I I thought it was like a trailer, like a five minute trailer. So I didn't watch it just in case. But like, please feel free to talk about it. I didn't. I didn't know. I don't know like the context. When they of do it. the when they do the children need specials, this is like for charity stuff. And Doctor Who's done this before many okay. times. It's it's got, going back to the old show. This has been a, a something they would do very often. Okay. Um, and it's basically they do like a five minute short, and sometimes it's just for fun. This is where um in canon like Peter Davison's fifth Doctor once met the tenth Doctor for like a five minute thing where like their TARDISes intermingled and so like it's an in-canon story so it's a five minute like short film yes oh oh so I, I, okay it's an in-canon story okay. and so like in that example it was like this time where where the 10th doctor met the fifth doctor and got to like share his appreciation for who the fifth doctor was in his history and like that happened in canon but it's just like this little story so like if you miss it it's you're not missing anything major that sounds cool okay this one is about um it's a very within the first hour after the the new doctor has regenerated the new David Ten doctor, he crashes into the original be creation of the Daleks, according to Davros. Um, Brandon, go ahead and say what you want to say about this first. Yeah. So it's so it's a little it's a little short um, where we see the actor who currently plays Davros, uh, not in Davros makeup. So he's just a person. He's just a, it's oh, before, he's not in, it's before he becomes that. OK, OK. Yeah. So it's before he becomes that. And he's just created the Daleks. And he's like that. And there's the Dalek has this like giant like claw arm on it. Um, and the children need is primarily a comedy. So what happens is the 14th Doctor's TARDIS crashes into there here and breaks the arm off. Um, which is the origin of why the Daleks have a plunger, a plunger arm. Um, he has to come up with something because he has to come up with something to put there, and he brings out the little plunger. Yeah. Oh, I'm and sorry, I'm so sorry. I think I broke this multi-cloth adaptable. Oh, that's a Dalek. That's that's cute. Okay, I'll watch. Yeah. I'll watch the doctor. Like, okay. And he says, "Oh, that's a Dalek," and the guy's like, "Dalek." 
that's a, there's an assistant to Davros. He and he's like, it. that's a great name. And he's like, oh no, oh no, is this the the, the actual first? Oh god, that's... I can't be here. And he's like, I gotta go. He created his worst enemy, basically. That's really he, cute. He created the name and like, yeah, yeah, part of the design. That's really cute. Um, and he's like, oh god, I'm I'm stepping on time stream shit. I gotta get out of here. It's it's fun. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff in it. The implications in it apparently, because Russell T Davies talked about how this is Davros going forward, which might have been a misspeak, but it sounds it sounds like he's saying that Davros will no longer be seen in the future should he show up as the kind of uh, half Dalek, half mutated creature that we've seen before. He hates being in that chair so, for 12 hours well, getting so makeup. Whole, the whole thing is that Davies basically uh, said that the reason why they made this decision is because he feels like it's insensitive to um, disabled people to project a idea of a person who has been badly scarred or a person who's in a wheelchair, uh, wheelchair lower half a Dalek uh, in this context as bad. And that the, the it's feeding into the trope of like bad guys who appear disabled, disabled equals bad yeah, in that yeah. whole thing. I, I mean, um, I get that, yeah. A lot of people, I think because the history is so deep, there's been a lot of backlash from disabled fans of Doctor Who. There are fans are also are disabled who support this, but there are ones who are like, Davros was someone I could dress up as and be part of Doctor Who. And like, uh, and and that be something they could connect to. And so like, while Davros was a bad per, a villain, it was still something that they were able to connect into in yeah, Doctor yeah, Who yeah. and like a, a, wheel, a way for them to hide their wheelchair within not hide i don't mean to say it that way not um it, include their wheelchair into a costume that worked as part of doctor who and like there is no contemporary other character that fits that mold yeah so it's it's caused a lot of like controversial responses in both directions and i think everybody's kind of ended up at like they have no problem with like this being before davros ends up that way but they're like we don't want you to say that davros never ends up that way yeah like have your cake and eat it too and we and, and some people are rubbing up against the idea that he's like Davros will never be that again. Um, and like that we are yeah. making it so like that that's something he never becomes. And some people are like, but that's that's been there for so long and that is an important part of things. And like people have shared their cosplays of going as Davros to yeah. Doctor Who conventions and things. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if the call is necessary. I understand what you're saying, but maybe the history with this is just too long. It's with a situation like this, it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. Because like mm -hmm. you, you want you want to service everyone, but like in servicing everyone, you kind of don't service anyone because no one will really be happy. Like, well, I think I, I think I, the thing is like, yeah, nobody was calling out Davros for this. No, I've never. I never. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I think people all like. I think it's different when you are creating a, something new in yes. the universe or you're bringing something, uh, you're bringing a reinvention. Like if there was a true remake of Doctor Who and you did this again with Davros, that would be a discussion thing. Word. But because Davros is still the character all the way back from the 60s, nobody was really picking on Doctor Who for doing this. Yeah. So I understand, like, I think this is also just like when we talked about, like, the, the clothes change That's thing. what I was thinking. Davies yeah. is anticipating controversial backlash that i'm like i don't know if this actually exists it's almost like he's and, I, and i understand you conflicts. wanting to like i understand you wanting yeah. to like be more inclusive and progressive and i don't think that's a, a misguided thing but i do think like the idea of i want to erase the idea of Gabriel <laughs> being uh bound to a, a a vehicle position disabled in that way and burned uh as uh, i feel that is insensitive to people who suffer the same thing i'm like but there are fans who have been a, being able to uh, appear as that character and dress up as that character and be involved in their fandom for so long. I don't know if this is too much of a disservice to them. And, all, and this character is like older than like our, our grandpa's. Like, like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's messy, I, I guess. 
I think there's there's also an easy workaround that you can make it you can make up some wibbly wobbly stuff to be like, oh, uh Davros got a hold of Time Lord technology and is able to regenerate his body. And so that's how he's able to so like a a future Davros. So Davros still has existed. You're not getting rid of that timeline of Davros in the in the chair. Then and you just make up a, an excuse to have him now be freed from it. Um yeah, like with the regeneration. The, like 14 do- doctor interacting with him now, like changed his future. He'll still be the Davros, but maybe he just won't be in a wheelchair this time. Like, don't like don't erase canon. Like, don't get rid yeah. of like, and, but, like, like the weird thing is like he's like, like you know, ca- he because the doctor says canon and timelines are in flux right now, which implies that there's some changing happening within the doctor's timeline. Um yeah. and now again, it, it's unclear how much of that is actually is just him being funny and how much of that is actually him telling him telling us what's going to be uh what the, the next iteration of doctor who is going to be but it's it is um it is a strange decision that his, I, heart's, his heart's in the right place but yeah. i i think sometimes like overcorrection is, those, is a problem well it's us. another one of those things also where he really didn't need to draw the attention to it or say it because it, it's no one so was thinking early, that it's so early in Davros's timeline that it doesn't interfere with what he becomes later that we usually see him at in Doctor Who. That it's like you didn't even need to s- explain this. Yeah. yeah, like Davros can just be a person who this is before he got burned and scarred and before he was half Dalek. Yeah, yeah, like it can just be before that. There was nothing interfering with that concept. drawing attention to it. Like yes. made it more of a problem than it actually was. Right. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I get it. That said, it's still cool to see the actor pl- play him before yes, the, the same scarring. actor who played Davros at the end of um, season four, mm-hmm. back once again. That's cool. Um, uh, I love I, that design. I mean, I know he's a human guy, but that, that's a, I like that that Davros design. It's it's a cute, fun thing. Um, it's totally worth watching. Good time. Yeah, I thought it was like an extended trailer thing. I didn't realize it was like it was like a short, like yeah. a short. Yeah, it's a cute like, little thing. There's a couple of other things that I want to bring up in relation to this, which is the, there's a pretty prominent rumor going around that Davies is interested in making a Doctor Who spinoff starring Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor. Um, I'm down, obviously. I love the Eighth Doctor. Would love to give Paul McGann his time in the sun uh, to do something. Uh, it doesn't need to be a long-running series. Just something would be nice. A um, Doctor Who Marvel presentation. Right. Yeah, like a six-episode thing, honestly. Like, just a small thing. Um, I'd be really interested. I'd be really interested to see that. Um, and Big Finish is getting uh, a lot of new guidelines from the BBC about what they can and can't do, um, which has happened before. But those guidelines laxed under Moffat and now are being restricted again under un- under Davies. Um, so I'm I'm we don't know what those guidelines are at this point, but it seems to suggest that David Bradley, who's been playing the first Doctor, is now considered an unbound Doctor, which is an alternate universe version of the Doctor. Um and that uh, there was some pretty significant changes that happened to Once in Future towards the end of its uh, publishing run that um, be- because of this. And who knows what those changes are? We, we may never know. Um, it, some people are joking that it's they're just saying, OK, stop using Jackie Tyler because Jackie Tyler, Rose's mom, has been in a, a ton of Big Finish productions. Oh. Um, and like the, the thing is, like Big Finish kind of became like, who's available? Who can we yeah. use? Right. And so, like, and and they have um, they planned on doing Renegade Doctor stories, yes. which doesn't seem likely anymore. Um, there is still one episode of Once in Future to come out. Um, 
yeah and from from that radio story like there it, it was like the anniversary celebration storyline and they've announced that there is one more episode and it's coming out in essentially to bookend the anniversary year mm. so it's coming out in a year um almost a year a little under wow. uh and but it's like supposed to bookend so like everyone's like oh what is that really mean and like what are they doing with it and that that had to, tied to a lot of previous doctors eccleston was involved in that in that storytelling um a lot of the previous ones were nice so um it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out i really liked the i know you saw it too brandon the meme where it's like um uh in the charity special david Tennant's character says like an hour ago i was this really brilliant woman and so every, and so it's like big finish looking at it like so 60 minutes huh that we can play with 40 <laughs> audiobooks all the audiobooks all now. right <laughs> yeah and that was a long time in tiny yeah. wimey space right right um i i don't necessarily think the restriction restricting big finish and what they can do is a bad thing i just especially because dr who is a multi uh is a multi platform series but i'm i i worry that the restrictions would hurt like like the David Bradley stories or doing anything with Joe Martin or doing anything else with Missy. Like, I, I don't want to lose, like, are we going to like, I don't want to lose some of the things that we've gained, some of the good things that we've gained because of these restrictions. And I am a little worried about that. That's I, It feels like Davies wants to bring continuity closer together. And I think there is an amount of like, part of why this is happening is because you're getting things like Tales of the TARDIS. And mm -hmm. if that Paul McGann thing is true, I think he just wants to maybe like slow and control Big Finish for a moment because it seems like he wants to utilize a lot of Doctor Who history right now. Yeah. And yeah. I think he just wants to be like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I want to tell, there are stories I want to tell and I don't want to, I do think it's coming from a place of like, I don't want you to interfere with me. I, don't but want I also yeah. don't want to interfere with you. Yeah. I want us to get yeah. on the same. I don't page. want us to accidentally tell the same story. I want you guys to be able to tell the, uh, an original story that does. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's a lot more where it's coming from because he's been very like pro the big finish stuff uh, yeah. in his entire tenure with Dr. Who. So I don't, I, I do feel like it's a it's very much a, there's a lot of things I want to do with people you are using. So let's um, make sure we're all getting on the same page about it. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool big finish characters that I would hate to see kind of not be able to get published anymore because of these guidelines. And again, like the David Bradley be being suggested as an unbound doctor kind of concerns me because like, I would like to see David Bradley return as the first doctor, um, like the canon first doctor in a future Doctor Who story. And that would be, that would be a bummer if we're not allowed to get that because of these new guidelines, but. Yeah. We will we will wait and see. We don't know what these guidelines are, and we don't really know what Doctor Who is going to look like until it's back. So we'll just wait and see. Soon. Yeah. All right. Shaved hair debut. Look, it's a lion. Oh, my goodness. Um. All right. So that's, I, I guess that's it. Anything else? No. No, I'm so good. We're all Netflix right. geeked out. All right. So that'll be that'll be it. Um. I, I believe we're going back to a weekly schedule um, for as much as we can. So, I mean, we'll, um, we'll like uh, being being upfront with the audience. It's uh, our format now is basically that, and we needed we should have done it this last time, but um, the, there was a lot going on, the strike stuff and everything. So, um, basically, what we're doing with each other is a check in um, every week, and if we feel like we have enough to warrant doing a show, we will do it, and if we don't, we won't, and you'll see us yeah. doing other things. Still got movies um, and TV shows still coming out. Don't yeah. worry. But what I was trying to get at is, is because of the because of that, now that the strikes are over, we won't need to pack in two weeks worth of stuff, um, which is what we basically did because we had so much we wanted to finally talk about because the strikes were over. We were excited. Um, so so look forward to probably shorter shows in the future. Um, stay tuned for so stay tuned for more of that. And 
uh, whatnot. But of course, there's plenty of things you can check out now that the strikes are over and that you could have checked out otherwise. Make sure to go to fictorpodcast.com to check out all the shows that are being released uh, post strike that you can um, that you can find all the links and everything to to figure out where you can subscribe and listen to them. Um, but of course, you could check out my latest episode of Conversation, Al Larson from the Movies That Made Us podcast. Um, so that's out there. Of course, Secret Invasion, Strange New Worlds. Those are Fake Nerds Watch that are coming out. All these are in the description below. Daredevil, PlayStation 2, and Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath, Basement Arcades. Uh, Basement Arcade Pause Menu has The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom review. And Fake Book Club has the Miles Morales, The Ultimate Spider-Man Volume 1 revival book. Uh, all those are in the description below, and you can also and you can check out those and stay tuned for many more episodes from those series, as well as the series I have not mentioned. Um, you can check out our Patreon at Public if you'd like to support us financially. We greatly appreciate that. That'd be awesome, uh, which are linked below, as well as on our website at FickNerPodcast.com. Once again, thank you to everyone who listens. We greatly appreciate your support. And thank you to everyone who watches the live show and the rewind. We greatly appreciate that as well. Thank you to Jamie Bellucci for our musical themes that you heard here tonight, as well as, or sorry, today, as well as being co-host of The Real Score. Uh, which is returning now that the strikes are over. You can find him at Jeremy Bellucci underscore the wreck of time. You can find his podcast, Suburban Proctologist at Suburban Proctologist official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Please subscribe to that as well on iTunes. Thank you to Mike Patola, wonderful collaborator, friend of ours who did a couple of our logos um, and collaborated with us on many things. We love him. You can find him on Instagram and TikTok and threads at Mike Matola. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fickner Podcast, FickNerGuys at gmail.com. I'm at BC McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find my writing, or you can find my writings for AtomicGeekdom.com. Sparks, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me just loving this little lion at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. I'm and holding a path to the audio listeners. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan. You can find me just trying to consume as much spider-man content as i possibly can that my brain will allow at dj tony snark all over the internet did you guys know that ryan eliopoulos is spider-man oh my god we've well, never seen him in the same room to at the same time um yo, I, can't, yo, I can't pay my bills you don't know where i am half the time i'm spider-man baby I, i'm just saying i've never seen ryan and val kilmer in the same place at the same time i am mm. ice man <laughs> um uh, and once again, you can find Ben at BenMagna27 on Instagram and Twitter and threads. Um, all right, guys. Until next time, we see you. Sorry, rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Uh, rate and review on your podcast of choice is what I should say. Um, anyway, until next time, we see you, guys. Stay fake, nerds.